lights, market, action. Everybody, we're very happy to be back with you again to cover a uh, controversial movie amongst our group of <laughs> friends, our, our circle of moviegoers. Uh, today, almost on the seven-year anniversary of the release date of the movie, we will be discussing Captain America Civil War, the third installment in the Captain America franchise. You've been waiting for this one, huh, Andy? Y- yes and no. Um, I'm looking to clarify some viewpoints that are uh, erroneous yeah. on behalf of yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay. I'm not looking to the f- forward to the fighting, though. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I'll say is that we're going to keep it civil. Huh? Huh? All right. Hey, come on! Give me some some uh, some some credit for that. That was a uh, that was gold. <laughs> that was gold. Do, do we have a cricket uh, sound effect? Give me a freaking break. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what? Get what? All right. Are we doing an audio podcast at some point? You gotta like transition to a uh, cricket. At that point. <laughs> no, there's no need for a cricket. It, it was gold. All right. Well, before we begin our discussion for today, let's introduce our cast of characters for this podcast. When did I become a character? You've always been a character. I've I've always wanted to be a real boy. No. As usual, we have the <laughs> uh, the OGs, myself, Andy, Brian, and Steven. Yep. Today we have two special guests. Two Josh. special guests. <laughs> Josh and Missile. Uh, they're going to lend us their input, because uh, this is a controversial movie, like we said. There's going to be uh, some differing viewpoints on who was right and who was wrong, who won and who lost in this movie. Now, should we discuss some of Josh and Missile's uh, qualifications? You know, their, their their local expertise regarding Marvel, and isn't that why they're here? I don't like Marvel. Oh, my. <laughs> all right. That's the hottest take we're going to get all night. <laughs> It's good to have an objective viewpoint, right? Is that objective or is an objective middle ground? That seems like he's the opposite of middle. Well, <laughs> if he has no stake in the game regarding Marvel, at least he can be objective regarding the two sides we're discussing. Okay, that's fair. Okay. I, guess, I guess you got your ref, Andy. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, <laughs> let's start with the segment that is not anybody's favorite. Everyone's favorite. It's probably like seventh or eighth, I think, at best. <laughs> I want to do some story time with me. Um, so, uh, gentlemen, what do you think the Dark Knight Rises and Rocky Three have in common? You had to venture a guess. Both the third film in a series. They both have a very burly man as the antagonist. That's good. Okay, those are <laughs> one of those I expected. The other one I did not. <laughs> so, oddly enough, even though these movies have seemingly no relation at all. Christopher Nolan said that it was his inspiration for the direction of the final Batman movie that he did. Uh, He said that he didn't think there were many good third sequels, but one that he considered pretty good was Rocky III. He said recently, there there are no good third sequels, basically. Rocky III, maybe. But they are very difficult. So my instinct was to change genres. The first one is an origin story. The second one is a crime drama, very much like Heat. And the third one, we needed to blow up bigger because you can't scale down. So, I found it pretty interesting how directors can find inspiration for movies that seemingly aren't related at all to their projects, because I didn't imagine Christopher Nolan watching the Rocky movies, much less drawing inspiration from it. Neither did I. Yeah. So, can, I, can I ask real quick? Um, aren't there good, like, third sequels, though? Surely? And isn't it technically second sequels? 
Because a sequel is the number two, and then <laughs> yeah. it's a second sequel. Uh, take that up with Nolan. That's his quote. <laughs> but yes, I agree. I agree. There are good third movies in right. a franchise, I mean, in a there's, trilogy. They're just hard to pull off. Yeah, and there, there aren't that many, but there are a few that are exceptional, well, in I my mean, opinion. Return of the Jedi comes to mind. Yeah. That's a good one, right? Mm-hmm. That's at least good. Yes. Christopher R- Nolan hates Ewoks, apparently, so he says <laughs> no. Uh, okay, that could be. That could be it. I think when we get to, like, uh, Interstellar 3, that's when <laughs> no one's going to be wanting to just watch anything by him anymore. Why would you say, all right, never mind, it's fine, it's okay. You can be a hater, that's fine. Okay. This is a safe space for Let's that. move on. <laughs> So, as mentioned, today we are discussing one of the best MCU films to date, although apparently that is not a sentiment shared by everybody in this room. Exactly. The third installment in the Captain America trilogy, Captain America Civil War. I am very, very passionate about this movie and staunchly support Team Cap. So, gentlemen, if you were Team Tony, I have to ask, before we get started, does anyone want to get out? (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was good. See, Um, that's how you do it, Brian. None of that bad jokes. Whatever. (laughs) I think we should go around the room and ask everybody where they stand, especially after this last viewing. Yeah, no, we'll get to that later. Oh, we're going oh, to do that the no cap recap. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, we'll have time for that. So now we'll segue into uh, our next part of the podcast, the no cap recap. So this is spoiler territory. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you hadn't seen the movie. I can't imagine. But if you haven't and you intend to, then you should not listen to the next couple minutes of this podcast because we are going to discuss... Uh, in limited detail, the events of this movie. We open in 1991. Bucky is doing what he does best, getting tortured. (laughs) And this time around, we see that a certain set of words in Russian causes him to awake as a sleeper agent, ready to comply with his orders. Shortly after, we see him execute a mission by assaulting a car in motion, though not much else is revealed to us yet. Cut to present day. Our heroes, Captain America, Black Widow, Wanda Maximoff, and the Falcon are after our old buddy, Rumno, aka Crossbones. He's after a biological weapon of some kind, and actually is successful in stealing it. But while on the run, our guys neutralize his cronies and retrieve it. Cat fights Rumlo one-on-one before he says a magic buggy ward and tries to detonate a bob vest. <clears throat> Wanda reacts just in time to turn him into his own personal snow globe. <laughs> Oh, that's a good line there, Brian. <laughs> it launches him up into the air, causing the explosion to damage a nearby building, killing innocent bystanders. Meanwhile, Tony is on a personal guilt trip at MIT, all of these being the seeds for the conflict to come. Now, due to the repercussions of recent Avengers-level events, the governments of the world have come together in an effort to provide some oversight to the Avengers and their activities. They've drafted the legal resource known as the Sokovia Accords, and our heroes are divided in their way of thinking. Some accept this, such as Iron Man, Widow, Vision, and Rhodey, but Cap and Sam are not on board. Several things happen as the story progresses. Colonel Zemo is introduced and is clearly after information regarding a mission held on December 16th, 1991. An explosion rocks the UN meeting in Vienna, killing King T'Chaka and introducing us to T'Challa, the Black Panther. The explosion is blamed on Bucky Barnes, and so now everyone is after him. Bucky is eventually apprehended. Steve is again pressured to sign the accords, but he stands his ground. Zemo manages to activate the Winter Soldier while incarcerated, which causes him to escape. Steve manages to subdue him, 
and learns that Zemo's plan involves reviving an elite squad of Winter Soldiers from the past. They take it upon themselves to recruit the help of Wanda, Clint, Hawkeye, and and Ant-Man. But the other half of the Avengers, now also including Black Panther and Spider-Man, meet them in Germany to try and stop them. After an intense battle, Cap and Bucky manage to make their way to the compound in Russia. Tony finds them there on friendly but uneven ground to help. And here we find out Zemo's real plan to show Tony that Bucky's mission in 1991 was not only to steal the experimental super soldier serum, but also to brutally execute his parents. Zemo's plan was to destroy the Avengers Alliance from within, and Tony, blinded by rage, rage, tries to kill Bucky, but Captain America manages to stop him before more damage can be done. The Avengers have taken a major blow to the, by the Civil War. However, Steve sends a letter to Tony, assuring him that he can count on his help when needed. He's just a phone call away. Can I just say, I intentionally put Tony stank, and he just, like, glossed over that? <laughs> he ignored it, yes. <laughs> the heck? Why are all my jokes bombing today? <laughs> I appreciated cool. that one. I'm Thank sorry you. Josh decided not to <laughs> Thank uh, you. share it with our audience. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit dyslexic, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, apparently so was Stan Lee in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So that's uh, our no-cap recap uh, discussing the events of the movie. So now we're going to get into our group discussion to address specific points and plot points, things we liked and disliked about this movie. So to start off, the question for you guys. Why do you love or not love this movie? And we'll start to my left. So, Missile, why do you love or hate this movie? I think it's okay. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's a hot take. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you joined this podcast. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I have a question for him. Why do you think it's okay? Give us your reasoning. I mean, the reason for finding is just like okay reason. You know, is like oh, it's just one person. So you're you're saying it's it's much to do about not really that big of a deal. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm gonna point out a lot of wrong answers today, and that's right. number one. <laughs> you can't say it's wrong. Everyone has their opinion. Opinions there's can no, be wrong. There's Ryan. no right or wrong in yeah. an opinion. Yeah. No. Are. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I? I want to I want to talk about this movie because listen I are gonna start fighting and get carried away before we can even get there. But I mean, obviously, this movie holds a special place in my heart just because it's the first time that we ever see Spider-Man interact with other heroes. Which, oh, I thought it was good because that's the same year that LeBron beat the Warriors. You know, and get you know, set. it hyped me up for that point. I was already <laughs> off the high of Spider-Man, and then LeBron, I'm like, great, great year. No, but Spider-Man being with other heroes, which up until that point, we just never thought it was possible. Sony was always being a, a butt about everything, didn't want to play with Marvel. And we finally got him, like getting him into that into it was that a movie. Big deal. It yeah. was a huge yeah. deal for me. And, yep. 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 and then especially after following a bad movie like Batman v Superman. It was like, okay, this is this is what superhero movies are. Like this is supposed to be a fun time and I, I loved it. This is a this is a fun movie for me. Yeah. So, quick question, Josh: Was the Spider-Man reveal a surprise to you, or he had you been uh, so, spoiled on that? 
this is a movie that taught me not to look after trailers that too much because it was revealed in the trailer which i wish i hadn't seen mm -hmm. i i would have lost my mind if i happened to see this in theaters without knowing that i agree with that 100 percent. i would have loved to have not seen it in the trailer it is kind of an interesting choice by marvel right who's so secretive you know to reveal that which is such a big like easter egg i thought they didn't reveal that in the trailer until after it's released though because I remember a version of that trailer of the airport lineup and Spidey's not there. That might have been the first trailer. Yeah, but I think even like a month before the movie came out, they came out with the trailer two, I guess. Right. Yep. And right at the end, he they do the underoos part and uh, he shows up, steals Cap's shield. Gotcha. Yeah, so I mean, I, I get and I don't get why they would make that choice. With that choice, you know, you... The people who were on the fence about whether or not they wanted to see this movie, they were in at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure some people were really upset that they decided to spoil that yeah. point, plot point. But I'll, I'll just very briefly say that the age of being surprised in movies has kind of dwindled. Because now it's all about uh, outlets trying to get out the leaks, what's rumored, the things they hear, and eventually they're going to get things right even if they're wrong most of the time, but there's enough stuff out there that, all right, now you have expectations for what you're gonna see. And that kind of takes the fun and the joy out of it. I really miss the days where you could go into a movie and legit be surprised by a big reveal there in the theater. Mm -hmm. I love Googling spoilers and giving it to other people, you know? God. Especially you, Brian. Oh my God. I you, love your reaction. You, you, oh, are, you are like the opposite of the serious? kind of person we want to have on this. You're like the opposite of a film lover. So yeah. Shame on you. Really, you really do. Oh my God, I hate that so much. The internet age has just kind of ruined that. I mean, I think back, like you watch trailers for movies in the 80s and 90s now, and it's like a minute of them saying nothing. It's like, why am I supposed to watch this movie? I mean, all I've seen so far is that Bruce Willis is in it, or Arnold Schwarzenegger, but there's no real hook to watching it. And now it's the complete opposite. They give away too much in the trailers. Too much? There's four-minute trailers now where it's like, man, they've revealed all the cool action sequences already. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. That's right. All right, so Brian, why do you love or not love this movie? Okay, I love the movie for what it does well. I mean, it manages to balance very many characters in a way that's still easily digestible by your average viewer. That's a, a, a big challenge that the writers and the Russos had to, had to undertake. They do that well, at least. But I have issues with the movie, which I guess we can get into um, as part of like because some of it's like nitpicking, so we can get into it under vexing issues, but there are some things that on this latest rewatch, I feel haven't aged very well. Some of the action sequences and the choreography and the camera work, stuff like that, I do not care for uh, on this rewatch. Um, whenever we discuss later on the uh, behind the scenes type work, we can get more into detail, but technically, on a technical level, there's a lot I don't like about this. Me personally, the story is what holds up this entire movie. And it's because of characters that have been established for years leading up to it. That's the only reason why I can rewatch this and enjoy it. Okay, I, I love what you said. And I agree with you. And we'll talk about it later. But quick question. Did you feel this way only after this last rewatch? Or the first couple times that you saw the movie, did you feel that way too? No, I think that... After this latest rewatch is when I really solidified my way of thinking on this. 
because before I think I would overlook a lot of stuff just just to just enjoy the spectacle of it. Mm -hmm. But now that I look at it a little bit more critically, I find more flaws with it. I think Marvel got better as it went along the the shots the technical aspects of movies and by the time that the next avenger movies came around i feel like they found a groove they found their i guess you could say like their style and going back to it you could tell that this one was still i, I think they were after figuring those, it out after the new avengers movie came out you going back to it at that moment you were already like oh this is getting there but it's not there yet yeah kind of like this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so before we ask Steven, Josh, just follow up on that. So, this was not Marvel's peak for you? No, no. And I'll talk about it later at the point. Uh, but even after watching it there, I loved everything about this movie. I, I had a really fun time coming out of the theater with this one. But even then, I was like, yeah, but my favorite Captain America movie is still Winter Soldier. Yeah, but I still like the first Iron Man more. And yeah. so it's like, there's still, there's a lot that, that I really come back and thank this movie that, that it did for future films, but it's just overall, it's not my favorite Marvel movie. Gotcha. Is this anyone's favorite Marvel movie? It could have been in my top five if it hadn't been for this rewatch, um, which I, I don't like to sound very negative. I will go ahead and say, Andy, uh, why I do like this movie, and it's because it does something original with the superhero genre that we hadn't had until that point, which is taking a bunch of different characters, putting them in the same movie. Um, you know, characters that have independent films, I guess you could say, uh, away from the joint ones. And it put them all together and pit them against each other. They're not working together like they are in Avengers. This time it's like half and half, which um, the only other time that I've seen that done is in Batman vs. Superman, which came out that same exact year. But before that, find me another superhero film where the heroes are fighting each other throughout most of the film. It didn't happen. So I thought that idea was cool. It's not that they hadn't done it in comics or in other mediums, but this is the first time we saw it on film. Mm -hmm. Does X-Men yeah. 2 count? Kind of? Um, not the X-Men really. are, aren't fighting not each really, other on huh? that one. No, because some defect to Magneto's side. Like Pyro. Oh no, but that's at the end of the film, and that's that's just Pyro, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, that's something else. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Thanks, guys, for sharing. Uh, so, for me, even though I hate the conflict amongst the Avengers, it's a really strong movie in my opinion. Um, even if you aren't super into comic book movies, you can be interested in the moral implications of what's going on in the movie. There are a lot of really interesting subplots too, and they aren't all black and white unless you have my gift of being able to distinguish right and wrong in the movie, um, then it becomes very clear. Look, it's, it's, black not and a, not a, it's not a gift. The people listening to this pod are either going to love you or hate you after this. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty confident that I'm right. Oh <laughs> hey, you got to admire confidence. Hey, I, don't, I, don't, I don't say outlandish things in every podcast. At least I don't think I do. But uh, I, this is one where I'm going to stand my ground. I'm positive I am right. Okay. okay, so let's move on. Next question. What was our, or what was your reaction after seeing it the first time in theaters or at home and compare it to now? So, Missile, what was your reaction the first time you saw it? I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember it, I think. When I watched it yesterday, should, should I'm we like, just ask Missile to leave? <laughs> I'm actually pretty hungry. So. <laughs> I'm kidding, Broski. Go ahead. When I watched it yesterday, I'm like, it was more like a. What do you call it? Background music to me when I was ooh dang because I was cleaning and doing other stuff and then it was just like 
there. So it's not enough to grab you. Oh my god. No. Like no. your attention. Not really. No. Mm, okay. Right. So, quick question, just so I can gauge kind of uh, going forward. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Because that'll help me establish a baseline for where you are on the Marvel fan mm, good scale. What's that one where after the snap? Where okay, yeah. So that's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one? So it was. It may be your favorite, but it's not like uh, one of your favorite movies. If you don't remember the title. If he says Black <laughs> Widow, I'm standing up and leaving. No. <laughs> It's Endgame. I mean, like, uh, no, no after the snap would be far from. Oh, either it's Endgame where or bombs everybody when they're in the compound. Oh, and they okay, end. so it's Endgame. Endgame. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was yeah, thinking it was okay. Far From Home. I like that answer. That's that's probably my favorite. Well, it's an excellent movie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Thank you, Missile. Uh, Josh, what was your reaction first time and now? I mean, first time it, it convinced me that. I was on the right path of choosing Marvel between DC. Like between DC and Marvel, I was like, I've made the right choice here. Like this is this is the, the really. The it took you that long? Why? Well, Why? I wanted <laughs> for me. It was already clear. Like, I, I loved Man of Steel. I thought Man of Steel was a great movie. Like I had a really fun time with that. I really like a lot of DC properties and all that. But after. The, after Batman vs Superman and then Captain America, it's like, oh, this is it. Like, I, I was a foot on stand, dude. At that point, they were on such a streak. God, and dude. I mean, it's a streak that just would not give up. No. They had very few, if any, mediocre, not even bad movies, mediocre mm-hmm. films, and yeah. most of them were like B plus movies or A movies. Yeah. Well, because I was gonna say Ultron was between Winter Soldier and Civil War, yeah. right? So Ultron would be one of those we might think is kind of mediocre. And it made me at that point, it was like. I need to keep up with everything Marvel. Like, I want to make sure that I'm watching every movie day one from here on out. Mm-hmm. And th- this time re-watching it, I mean, I still think this is a very good movie. Like, I, I, I immediately put it on. And kind of me thinking I know every Marvel movie, I, I kind of was in the same mindset of missile. I was like, oh, I could kind of put it in the in the background. I don't have to pay too much attention in the beginning. And immediately with the with the first mission that Kaft is on, I was like already hooked. And I was back into it. I was like, it, it's just a fun movie. It's a, there, there's different reasons that I don't like this movie for other reasons like Brian will probably talk about. But as it is, like this is this is a great Marvel movie, great superhero movie, and, and it made me really just appreciate all the little things that it's done now for other superhero movies as well. Now, awesome. Thanks, Josh. Brian. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I, think was, he, I think Brian answered it earlier. What was your reaction first time versus now? And yeah, you kind of did touch a little bit on this earlier. Oh, okay, in your, yeah, in your yeah, 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 exactly. That's, um, yeah, just to reiterate it. The, the first time I saw it, walking out of the theater, I thought it was awesome. I, was, I thought it was awesome that we finally see uh, Spider-Man and Black Panther on the screen. I mean, we're, we're now we're introducing characters without needing an origin movie first, which I thought was interesting. Um, again, I think I was just blown away by the spectacle of it all uh, initially. And now later on, when it's not really surprising, I can see it at least a bit more objectively. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm not gushing over it like how I did before, but that's not to take away that it's still an experience that was certainly deserved to be experienced. Yeah. I'm with him on that. Thought it was fantastic the first time. Wow, the spectacle of it all was cool. Um, the story was great. Seeing it now, uh, I'm noticing a lot of, like he was saying, um, nitpicks about 
the way they did things. Um, the action scenes in particular I take issue with, especially in the beginning. I don't like the way they're shot. Oh my god. Um, and I, yeah, we can get into stuff like that later. Cool. Thanks, guys. So for me, uh, the first time I wasn't really sure how to feel, not because of the quality of the movie, but more so what the movie covered. So I wasn't sure, was Tony on the right side? Was Cap? Were we supposed to feel one way or the other? And um, so that, that, that part kind of I struggled with. Uh, it was cool to see the airport fight scene. I feel like that was a big moment. For me, that was like the next coolest of the Avenger movies since the Avengers first movie where all six you know are in a semi are in a circle in new york and I, mm -hmm. I mean i lost it at that point this was the next coolest thing since then in my opinion except that they were fighting against each other which wasn't all that much fun but um i like seeing spider-man introduced that was cool but i didn't feel like great leaving the theater because of again the implications of you know where are our heroes now um in this story right now as far as Watching it now, what I know upon several rewatches and knowing how the rest of the Infinity Saga plays out, uh, it's painfully obvious to me that one side was right and one side was wrong. Oh my god! Um, so now when I can watch you it, please all stop I think, saying that until we get to that section. You can't make digs if we can't make digs. Well, that's why I got to be host today, Brian. So uh, for me, it's painfully obvious how how wrong Tony is, even though I softened a little bit on this rewatch, you know, because again, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes and understand. His that's that's what you have to do. That's, that's, a win. that's, that's a win. exactly that's yeah, right. But he's still wrong. I mean, you can you can feel for him, but he's still wrong. Can right, I just comment that I loved something that I really loved about this movie the first time was just how different it was from the comics because in the comics it gets to a point where you're like you can't even root for tony tony's a bad guy in that in that mm -hmm. in that comic and the fact that they pulled off a movie where there was it really did feel like it was like a, a split a 50 50 split on whose side people were taking on it felt great like they were able to pull off something like that and it, up until now you're still here wrong opinions like Andy's and, and thrown out there it's a, it's a good thing it presents a really good question for the audience like who would you side with is a Captain America film sure and maybe there's a level of bias and I'll talk about that later but um, I I was really intrigued by that mm -hmm. they're presenting a question okay and they they show you both sides and they both make sense they both present great arguments and I you know everybody ends up picking a side in their head and uh, I mean, how many times does a superhero film do that? The Dark Knight presented that, but not a lot of superhero films do that. Yeah, well, the movie was intentionally designed to make you not sure who was right and who was wrong. That's, you know, from the writers, from the director's mouths. It was made to be that way. But and as we'll good. talk about later, I think, in my opinion, in my non-professional opinion, I really think they... Now, after in subsequent movies, they tell you who was right and who was wrong. Hmm. And I'll, I'll, we'll go through that. Uh, and then you guys can feel free to disagree with me. Um, okay, so do you agree with the critics and audience score? So this movie got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes um, and it got an 89% audience score. Any, we don't have to go around the room. Just if you have a thought on that, feel free to share. At the time, yes. Now, no. That's too high. Too high. Okay. Here, here's something to keep in mind those two percentages is the difference between do you recommend this movie for someone to watch it or do you not mm -hmm. that's it it's not like a it's not like a grade in school because the meta score is like that 
is like an actual grade. Mm -hmm. But this is just, is this good enough that you would tell someone else to watch it or not? And, and that's where my thinking is. Like, that's how I always see these aggregate reviews and, and everything. And I think that's, I think that's spot on. I think if you're a Marvel fan, if, especially at this point, if you're a superhero movie fan, it's a, it's a solid eight. It's a solid eight at least. I want to hear missiles. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say six, but... <laughs> okay, so... Uh, I disagree. It's an eight. <laughs> I, I disagree with the Rotten Tomato score, you know? Um, and I don't know if that's surprising or not to, to this group, but <clears throat> it's not because the score is wrong, but because it's too low relative to other MCU movies, which I think were inferior. Um, oh, gosh. Like so, what? Like what? Give okay, us an so I'm, I'm going to read off for you guys the, the top 10. Uh, just out of curiosity, can you guys guess the, the number one ranked Rotten Tomato by Rotten Tomato Score Marvel movie? Infinity Winter Soldier. War. The one I said. Black Panther. It's in, It's got to be Infinity War. It's, Josh got it right. It's Black Panther. Ooh, Black Panther yes. got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Number two, Endgame, 94%. Number three, Iron Man, 94%. Number four, Thor Ragnarok, 93%. Mm, I already hate this. Number five, mm. No Way Home, 93%. Then Homecoming, 92%. Oh my God. No. Guardians of the Galaxy, 92%. Okay. Avengers, 91%. Okay. Shang-Chi, 91%. Far Shang-Chi from home, is above Infinity War? Far From Home, 90%. And number 11 is Civil War. So relative to the other movies wow. that have been Infinity ranked. War did not even make that list. This is critics you're Infinity, saying? In, this is Rotten Tomato score. But, Infinity okay. War is not in the top 11, for example. That's blasphemy to me. And I feel <laughs> like there are movies above Civil War that should be lower. Such as Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi, I watched it. Eh. Um, I think this movie is better than... More better than like seven of the films you just mentioned. Yeah, there's there's a couple that could you know spawn off a whole different set of conversations and can arguments. I, can I just say, uh, I think I would personally rewatch most of the movies on that list before I would rewatch this one. Yeah. Well, yeah, fair. you've already said that you're not the highest on this one. Right. I'm not too surprised by that. <laughs> You know what I gotta say? I'm actually happy that we found a film that we all thought we were gonna love and we're being quite critical of it. That's like, it might be refreshing for everybody listening because usually we're like, oh, this is so awful. <laughs> yes. So, we love it. We love it. We love it. I'm actually a little bit the opposite. I was kind of down on this movie and I think I'm a little bit higher on it now mm, on this okay. watch. All right, guys. Next, uh, next segment of our podcast. Best thing I've ever seen. So we're gonna discuss some specific scenes of the movie. Uh, so there are great scenes in the movie. There are favorite scenes. They can be different. They can be the same. Uh, Missile, did you have a great scene that you caught while you were cleaning? <laughs> <laughs> the, whenever Iron Man's beating up Bucky and Iron Man. I mean, uh, Captain America at the very end. Ooh, okay, so yeah. it shows that Iron Man could could have killed them if he wanted to with ease. Ooh. Okay. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> and that and kind of that's that's one of my favorite scenes as well. It's just that whole lead up, the whole reveal, whenever the shock hits you of that Zemo wasn't even going after the super soldiers the whole time. The hurt in Tony's eyes whenever he's slowly piecing it together. I mean Robert Downey Jr. just was incredible in this movie and then that whole in ending sequence. 
just made that. I think that you rewatched this movie because of that of that sequence at the end. But I mean, obviously for me, I rewatch it because of of the hey everyone scene from the airport. <laughs> <laughs> once once Spider Man came up, and that's that's my we little get it. Board. You love Spider Man. We get <laughs> yeah. it. We know. We know. No, I'm kidding. I'm I feel you, too. man. I'm a big Spidey fan too. Yeah. Man, and I, and, I did, and I had Amazing Spider Man two after this, and Spider Man three before that. I needed a good Spider Man yeah. moment. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't blame you. All right, Brian. Great, uh, great scene. Favorite scene. My my favorite scenes are the ones where the good actors of these of of this movie can really shine. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has two moments. Two moments in this where I think he does great. Um, one being when he is looking back at his hologram memory, and you can almost see him. How do I say? portray trauma in a way that's believable because that's that's what he's trying to deal with is a trauma from his past and it leads into his next great scene which is when he's coming to terms with what he's seeing regarding his parents murder um those are my favorites as well as every scene that chadwick boseman is in because mm -hmm. i forgot to say that before this movie really made me miss him again because yeah. he does a fantastic job whenever he's mourning the death of his father, and whenever he also is coming to terms with how he's been acting, how revenge has consumed him, and how he's decided to leave that behind. All of that, he does in a way that is very convincing, and that's his acting chops for you. That, he had one of my favorite performances in the mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, uh, that's, that's another cool thing. Aside from introducing Spider-Man in this movie, it also introduced Black Panther. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, both really, really fun characters in the MCU. There were good scenes. I'm just going to go ahead and say my favorite scene. Okay. And it should be everybody's favorite scene because it's the only answer. The airport fight. <laughs> Come on. It's yeah. practically on the cover of the, the movie. Mm. It's not my favorite, though. It's got to be. It's the best scene in the movie. <laughs> okay, so... It's literally the most fun. I really think you guys are going to... I don't know how you're going to feel about mine. So, my favorite scene. I, I won't go through great scenes. Lots of great scenes. Um, I have some that you guys didn't mention as far as great scenes. But my favorite scene, oddly enough, is when the Avengers are debating the merits of signing the Accords. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like seeing their personalities. It's not about punching. It's about their intellect about their conscience about their morals mm -hmm. and i like how i like that debate yeah at that point they're both presenting great arguments on both sides mm -hmm. um and so i i really enjoyed that i i love you know legal movies and legal dramas and stuff like that and so i could have i could watch an hour of that i kid you not i could have cool. just watched one where they just debate whether or not they should or shouldn't do it yeah. I, I i was riveted by that scene i like that take mm -hmm. so was there a point of no return in this movie for you so for for josh and, and missile uh that's when you're flipping through channels and this movie is on and this scene in particular, whatever scene is, you're like, okay, I can't change the channel. I'm watching this movie until the end. I'm I'm hooked. At this point in the movie, I, I can't change the channel. That's your point of no return. Missile can't remember the beginning of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't remember what movie we're talking about. <laughs> while, while he thinks about that, mine is the UN bombing. That that's my answer too. Yep. Well, as soon as as soon as you see, and I, it doesn't even need to be the bombing itself, but as soon as I see everyone lining up, T'Challa coming in, talking to to Widow, and then he looks out the window. Oh, I'm put. like at that point, I'm I'm in it for the rest of the movie. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one, Brian. 
I I was gonna say the airport fight because I honestly I I can I can see most of it and and then walk away from it without seeing it to the end. And I do think that when it reaches the airport fight, it's entertaining enough to hook me. And then right after that is when we get Tony realizing, you know, what Zemo's real plan is. And and then it gets into where I really can't turn away from, which is all that whole ending sequence. So, um, no, I'll stick with my answer. I'll say the airport fight. All right, Steven? For point of no return, point you and no me. Same as Josh. All right. Well, I'm going to take a contrarian point of view. I'm going to pick my point of I'm turning it off, and it's right after the airport scene. I don't like the way this movie ends. I don't like that it ends in conflict and, you know, them nearly killing each other. Andy takes certain things very personally, yeah. you know, whether it's, a, you know, a character's decision or the way a movie ends. And I'm a happy ending guy. I, why, I like why would this ending. fictional character take this decision against me? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. offended. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm very bothered by that. All right, guys, let's jump ahead to behind the scenes. And I think a couple of you are probably going to take, you know, the lead in this because I don't have a ton of thoughts on uh, what we talk about in this particular segment. Uh, But let's talk about the direction of the movie. Joe and Anthony Russo. Hey, they they juggled a lot of moving pieces. And for that, they deserve props. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the issues with this movie in particular is that if you don't care about all these pieces, then it's a drag until the end, mm-hmm. honestly. Because it has to introduce new people, you have to give characters motivations for their actions, and you have to also deal with the motivations for the established characters, and that leads up to the whole conflict towards the end. It's tough to do. So the Russos deserve props for their direction, and the screenwriters as well. They, they really do, because that's that's a very difficult and daunting task. Um, I'm thinking we said this was the first time something to this scale was done with so many characters, and um, and they did it well. I mean, the, the audience scores and the critic shows, the critic scores show it. Although I feel like coming off of BVS, they were like, wow, anything is good. <laughs> so that's not fair. That's also not fair. Wait, did BVS come out before or after Civil War? March. Before. Before in March. March. And then this one came out in? May. May, May. May 6th of twenty. Oh, so it wasn't that much What's of a BVS? difference. BVS is Batman versus Superman. Oh. Yeah. And, and jumping on that point of just juggling the story, the fact that there's so much drama behind the, the camera in this, in this movie, will they or will they not get Spider-Man? What do we do with the with the team ups? There's a there's a draft where they have to fight the five super soldiers because that's what the CEO at that time wanted to show. Like he said, no, you can't make a small personal fight. No, that doesn't sell movies. We need a big old CGI sequence. And so they the fact that they had all of these pieces moving together and continuously cutting things, moving things, and and getting it back and forth, and that they pulled it off. Man, those Russos just fit so well in Marvel, and I hope that they come back at some point. Yeah, They did a great job. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about them. I have something to say about the cinematography, though. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get to that in a second. I love them as directors. I really enjoy I don't think I know of a bad movie that they've done. Um, what? <laughs> they've done plenty of not well-received movies. <laughs> okay, well, we're not talking about that today, Brian. Look, okay. at, look at everything... Post Endgame. Oh my gosh. Okay, Everything? You just, you hush your mouth, Brian. 
Okay, so I wanted to mention something. So Josh mentioned one point about how, you know, would they or wouldn't they not get Spider-Man? That's a cool Easter egg that uh, we'll share later because I thought that was a, a cool point. But um, what about cinematography? Is there a shot or a style in this movie that stood out to you? There were a couple cool shots. Uh, one of them that I wrote down that's just cool to look at is when Iron Man is uh, using his blast and Cap is uh, mm-hmm. sh- using the shield, you know, and it creates that like yeah. cool effect and everything. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that that kind of just goes with the whole Captain America versus Iron Man. Do you know why that's cool? Because it's ripped from the comic. Yeah. It's literally a panel that they just recreated. Yeah. Hey, fan service is all right from time to time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's okay. <clears throat> when you say what's good about the cinema, it's more like the lack of cinematography. Mm-hmm. Because this thing is just shot to just show you what's happening, and that's it. The camera is not is not telling the story. Can I give you one example of where that might not be the case? What is it? Okay, so after the UN bombing, it, there's a quick shot of... Uh, <laughs> Did that? Did you hear that? It, <laughs> okay. I don't know what it was. Someone's my, hungry. My stomach growled. Yeah. I was just like, was that just audible <laughs> on my end? <laughs> okay. Oh All right. Uh, let me start that sentence over. <laughs> There's one shot of Widow sitting down on a bench next to, or not right next to, but on a separate bench from Black Panther, which you could kind of interpret as, oh, they're going to be on opposite sides of the fight or the argument by the end of the movie and that's exactly what happens even though they're aligned in the beginning but they end up on different sides by the end of it so you can kind of see it as foreshadowing cinematography saying something about the story i mean there's little things here and there but overall this is and and, and this was one of those comments that i made earlier about how marvel hadn't found their style yet this movie is very dull when it comes to cutters the cutters don't pop everything seems equally the same mm-hmm. you, you compare it to now and, and you see the superhero costumes pop whenever you see in the screen you see certain shots that they really thought well about it but this one is exactly what brian says it's just it's following exactly what it, it's almost like if it, if it was shot like a documentary it's i think a- you just made an argument for the opposite though the fact that what if this was intentional the whole lack of color and everything kind of you know being a little bit murky because the question at hand is kind of murky. Or the lack of color is like a dreary situation, right? And the movie's pretty dreary. That's not, that's not, it's not exactly. The story is not something that's meant to inspire hope or joy or what. But if that's the case, do it when the story deems it because there's plenty of moments within the movie that are either uplifting or whatever else. But to that point, do it when the story deems it because there's plenty of moments throughout the movie that actually are uplifting or hopeful or what have you and those are the moments where uh, the scene itself and the framing and the color grading can help uh, get that point across you don't have to keep it dreary and, and drab or however else you want to describe it gray almost throughout the entire thing just because the overarching story is something that's not as joyful as we would like so that's that's my only point to it it's yeah the argument can be made that it was an intentional choice yada yada but the end result is that it's just an you know not a very pretty movie to look at and i don't think it should be intentional in a superhero movie like you're not why not you gotta you gotta accept 
the the colors of it like every every comic book you you read i want that on a t-shirt you gotta accept the colors of it <laughs> did somebody write that down yeah every every, kind of, every comic book you you read you see they they make sure that it, it always has a splash page why do you remember the shot of of iron man and the and the shield because it's it pops it, it gives you that sort of thing it's it's at the worst emotional point but it gives it the color. It gives it the pop that it needs. And that's what it, I think that this movie is lacking. Okay. Valid point. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, we, we, I got to keep this tight. So we're going we're gonna to keep going. <laughs> Can you say the full thing, man? No. I got to keep this tight. Tight, tight, tight. Tight, tight, tight. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on to winners and losers. Um, and so this is one where, for purposes of time, since we have a big discussion still to come, uh, if you have a strong feeling one way or the other, please share it. But otherwise, we'll just kind of take a couple thoughts. Mm-hmm. Best performance? Did a performance stand out to you, or did you? For me, it's between Robert Downey Jr. and Sebastian Stan. I think he did really good in this. Hmm. I mean, he did all right, but I think RDJ is the right answer here. I also will say RDJ, but Chadwick Boseman is still very high up there for me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Was there a worse performance in this? Sharon. I can't remember the actress's name. I don't Emily like Chadwick Boseman's accent. <laughs> what? But he does such a good job with it. I don't like it. Oh my god. It's offensive that you would insult him. Oh my god. That's so good. <laughs> the, you, know, awesome. you know who's bad? Uh... It's Sharon. Emily not, Van Camp is bad in and this And it's movie. not his fault. She's the weakest link. It's not his fault, but, it, but it's Frank Riddle. They didn't give him anything to do. He's just there to... To collect a paycheck, pretty much, and that's all he is. Well, the, the, the actor is not happy about his time in Marvel yeah, because he, he was apparently promised uh, like a substantial role, and he felt like he never got it. And no, he was pretty much like a throwaway at the beginning of this movie. And, and especially he's Winter a joke. Soldier, he does a good job, and in this one, he's a joke. Yeah. He and he kind of comes across that way in his in his acting. He kind of he he seems out of place in an otherwise serious movie, and I and it just doesn't fit for me. Is he worse than Sharon though? <laughs> I don't know what you got against Emily Van Camp. She was not She's bad. fine. She's okay, fine. <laughs> let's move on. Mm. Best line. What was your pick for best line in the movie? Underoos. <laughs> <laughs> Underoos. That's that's the best answer Missile's given today. Yes, my favorite one. That was good. There were a lot of good lines in here, man. It's hard for me to pick uh, just one. I mean, B, you can look at all this on my screen right now, oh, and I have so many lines God. that I love. He downloaded the screenplay. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, the one that I'm going to go with is actually a funny line. I usually don't pick funny lines for best line or favorite line. But when Ant-Man is in small and he's inside of Tony's suit and he goes, Oh, you're, huh? oh you're going to have to take this into the shop. Uh, okay. <laughs> I not, cracked up with that line. That dude. wasn't a line. I thought you were about to spoil a line I was going to say later. But okay, no, it wasn't. That was so funny to me. My my favorite line. He's like messing his suit up and everything. He's like, oh, you're going to have to take this into the shop. <laughs> it was really good. I forgot. I actually forgot to mention Paul Rudd because he deserves a shout out. Yeah. He always. He's so funny in this always movie. Always makes me laugh. Like yeah. four of his lines in this movie are yes. hilarious. I this, also have this is your conscience. We don't speak much. Yeah. <laughs> I also have him down as potentially the worst line. So he's in both categories. I, 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 yeah. No, my, my my favorite line is when King T'Chaka says, 
that victory at the expense of the innocent is no victory mm. at all. You got to say that with an accent. I'm not going <laughs> to say it in an accent. Okay. Heck no. I'm not doing and, that. And I like his son's, his son's point of view as well. Once he finally confronts Zemo, has seen all of the things that vengeance time has always stuck with mm. me. Okay, cool. So I've got four and one of them is that. Are you Tony Stank? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> when Steve tells Wanda, he's consoling her. Um, he's accepting responsibility for his mistakes. He heard the word Bucky and it kind of distracted him for a second. He, mm-hmm. he didn't clock the bomb vest. Bomb vest. Um, he says, we try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, T'Challa's line that you just mentioned, Josh. Vengeance has consumed you. It's consuming them. I'm done letting it consume me. Mm-hmm. And then maybe my favorite from the movies at the end in the letter that Steve wrote to Tony. I promise you, if you need us... If you need me, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. I, like I love that. that. That's in an otherwise kind of dark ending, really, for a Marvel movie. That kind of gives you like a ray of hope. That's kind of uplifting. Like, okay, yeah, cool. yeah. it's gonna work out. There's still hope. Exactly. They're, also, they're, they're brothers. They're family. They fight, but they'll, they'll work through it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And I also want to point out the one of my favorite personal favorites is also whenever he's talking, Spider Man's talking to to Iron Man. He's like, "You ever gone to Germany?" No, I can't go to Germany, but the way he ends it, I got homework. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, worst line. Worst line? Okay, I, have, I had two nominees. I'm going to give it to Ant-Man, actually. I don't like it when he says, does anybody have any orange That's slices? Exactly right. I thought that was really dumb. Oh, yeah. I don't understand it, and it's not funny in Is any way. It feels, it feels, it feels uh, out of place. It's a reference to to like soccer moms whenever a kid gets dehydrated they'll give them orange slices to kind of get their energy up uh, i think that's I what he was going for but it just doesn't yeah i'm agree with you i, I also yeah. i hadn't thought about that but it doesn't quite land i, I also don't do. like at the beginning of the movie when falcon is showing off his his red wing it's like oh his name's red wing <laughs> go ahead pet him. I'm like, that, that's I, mine that's right. mine okay i find that funny i i get that why some people might not like it, but i found that funny okay for me the worst line was tony saying that shield doesn't belong to you you don't deserve it my father made that shield hmm. it's just it's a bad line it's not true it's petty it's showing tony how he's vind- vindictful how he was always jealous or envious of, you know, he, he, he never likes Cap because of how much his dad loved Cap. It's just, it's a it's a bad look for him. But Tony. in that sense, it's a great line for him because it's exactly hits the points of what Iron Man feels like by that point. But he takes yeah. it personal, remember. And <laughs> yeah. he takes it personal. And again, it's just like, it's so wrong that, you know, even if it's in character for Tony, it just goes to prove my point about how bad Tony is in this movie. Yeah. Can All I right. get a shout out real quick? Just no. one line that I really liked. And I, I really love Vision in this movie, too. I love when he says, a pinch of paprika. <laughs> a pinch. And he's like, kind of like measuring it. He's trying to figure out what a pinch is. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Wanda's like, is that paprikash? And he's like, I thought it might lift your spirits. He's such a good yeah. guy. Well, and then she takes over cooking because she's like, this is an Android. Yeah. He's going to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so usually we'd ask a couple more questions in this uh, segment. Uh, we're we're going to move on to egg drops because there's there's a couple to cover, um, and I think some of them are really cool. And one of the things I want to talk about is the uh, compare and contrast, or, or more so point out how the comic book storyline of Civil War differs with the movie. And so I'm going to spend a little bit of time on that. 
But uh, Stephen, do you have any egg drops you want to share? Or actually, let's start with Brian because Brian usually has no. one or two, and Stephen usually has more. Skip and so me. Do I. Skip me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So this one, uh, I know that you want to talk about. Um, did you want to talk about T'Challa's role in this movie and Spider-Man and all that? You can go ahead and cover it. Okay. Well, T'Challa originally had a much smaller role in the movie, and he was actually given a larger role because Spider-Man was off limits at the time. Sony owned the rights to Spider-Man. They were not willing to let Marvel have it. And so they decided to write more for T'Challa. And they liked that. But then all of a sudden, oh, Sony wants to make a deal. We're bringing Spider-Man in. But by that time, they had already beefed up T'Challa's role so much that they said, let's just keep him integral to the plot. And so they kept Spider-Man's role much smaller than they originally wanted. 100% 100% the right decision. Exactly. Yeah, I, I totally that. agree with that. I agree with, with that. that. Especially yeah. because of the fact that, well, no, both characters had their first film the next year, right? In 2017? No, no, no. Black Panther was 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took a little bit longer for him, but um, Spider-Man was upcoming. Yeah. Any other drops? The actor, Sebastian Stan, he is a native Romanian. I knew that. So when he's in Romania, speaking Romanian, that is a perfect Romanian accent. Because that's where that's, he that's was his talk. Poor, poor Bucky. All he wanted was some plums, man. And he never got the freaking plums. <laughs> I got one more and it's quick. Samuel Jackson was surprised to discover that Nick Fury would not be in the film after the Russo brothers told him that he would be in it. Executive producer Nate Moore stated that Fury was not included because he didn't have anything to add to the Civil War story that they were telling. I also, Do you guys agree with that? I also had that in my egg drops, and I feel like he would have had something to add to this movie. I really would have loved to seen his perspective as far as what the right thing to do was. Nick Fury's in this movie. Whose side is he on? Go. Obviously, Iron, Man. Iron Man's. Yeah. yeah. Because he's all about oversight. That's literally the name of the project. I think Andy uh, disagrees. I think I disagree. I really think he'd be Team Cap because he would be... Uh, he doesn't really enjoy. He likes being. He likes being the oversight. He doesn't want to be overseen. Oh, I see. And so he disagreed with the World Security Council and Avengers. And uh, I, I, I really think he'd be Team Cap. That's a fair point. That's true. Quick question for you: In a future series like Secret Invasion or something, would you like Nick Fury just for fun for them to write in who he would have sided with, or just keep it ambiguous at this point? I don't know that it matters at this point because that's so many movies ago. Yeah. And in the timeline of, of Marvel, like with the snap, it's another five years. Mm-hmm. So it's been seven for us as fans. And then on top of that, in their storyline, it's five years. on top. There's no reason to bring it up. Yeah. It's past. Okay. Josh, any egg drops? Uh, I mean, we already talked about it, but we're in the cinematography, but that final shot with the laser beam and, and the shield is a splash page straight from the comic book. I like that they they included that as a homage. And just as I think everyone knows this, but the murder doctor that they, that they, the psychiatrist that they have is actually the director as well. He ended up getting some, some prosthetics and makeup put on him. When the one in the bathtub. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah. because I I know the Russo's make appearances. Was that Anthony or Joe? It's Joe. Joe. Joe Russo is is a dead doctor in this. Yeah, because I know, I don't remember who. One of them is in Winter Soldier, and I think that same. I think it's always Joe. It's always okay. Joe. He's also in Endgame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess so. Tony doesn't like being on camera. <laughs> yeah, he seems like the more shy guy, I think. But yeah, Joe. Joe likes to show up in his movies, and in this one, he was the 
Oh, and uh, and also like they like to bring the community actors as well. Yeah, and so that Dean is in in character <laughs> right. is Dean yeah. in the in Hartford okay. as well. Yeah, because I know Danny Putty Putty. Was I don't know how Winter you say Soldier. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that that's cool. And, and speaking of that, Captain America and Iron Man shot. I think that's also in the video game Marvel. Was it Ultimate Lines too? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I can't remember I what the was, subtitle was, but yes, that's the same idea. There's a civil war, mm-hmm. and yeah. you see like this movie presents like ten or twelve characters, you know, at odds with each other. That game presents like fifty. Yeah, it's closer yeah. to the comic book. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. All right, so I got a couple of egg drops. I'll go through them quick. You guys have covered a couple of them already. So Tom Hiddleston confessed that even though he didn't appear in the film, it contained one of his favorite moment, moments in the MCU, the helicopter scene. <laughs> he said, I mean, Chris Evans does a bicep curl with a helicopter. If you don't love that, we can't be friends. <laughs> I agree. That's cool. Um, yeah. Chris Evans was intentionally made to wear tiny t-shirts in the movie to make his body look bigger. And all the t-shirt scenes were filmed at the beginning because Chris loses weight throughout the course of filming due to physical demands of the role. So I thought that was funny that wow. he's in tiny t-shirts. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, and obvious. The man yeah. cannot put on a shirt that fits. <laughs> he's just that big, right? I remember, I, I think it was like sort of a joke, but he did get interviewed and he was like throwing out the ideas. It was like, And I was throwing out to Marvel. I was like... Can we do the shirtless? They go, no, Cap, you can't be shirtless. But why not? Because <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey always does that. <laughs> uh, this was the third straight film where Bucky falls into a body of water. Uh, he falls into a body of water in First Avenger, Winter Soldier, and Civil War. So, God, Bucky. Poor Bucky, man. Hey, yo, I'm telling you, that's his, his favorite pastime is torture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never seen the show, the Captain America show that showed up on what's it, Disney Plus or yeah, Captain America yeah. and the Falcon or something like it's that. It's Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Fal- Falcon yeah. and the Winter Soldier. Well, I thought um, you about Agent Carter, is, the is, ABC show. I'm just curious because I haven't seen it. Is he in a better spot? Mentally, emotionally, in that it's show? It's actually about that. It's about him, him trying to get to a better spot. Oh, good. Yeah, he's nice. trying to make amends for his previous life. Are they going to do another season of that, or is that it? They're making a new uh, Captain America movie yeah. entirely. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, this is an important one. It's uh, interesting. I, I had no idea. Tony's role in the movie was originally small, but Robert Downey Jr. wanted a bigger role. Mm-hmm. Marvel CEO Ike Perlmutter was furious over the request and ordered he be written out completely. <laughs> But Feige... Jeez, that's extreme. Kevin Feige fought for Robert Downey Jr. And he was obviously a large part of the movie. And Good. he earned a massive payday from it. God. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I'm so, happy Ike Scar, how, man. How this, this, this movie's not the same exactly. if his role isn't exactly. what exactly. it is. My question is like, what the heck is the story if Robert Downey Jr. isn't yeah. in it? Exactly. It's a terrible movie if yeah. he's not in it. Or Terrible. It's, it, I, yeah, it's, it's just, abysmal if he's not mm-hmm. in it. I'm not even kidding. It's abysmal. Okay. And then this is one I remember reading years ago. Um, the reason for Thor and Hulk being absent from uh, this was from a news story years ago was that both were so powerful that any civil war would end quickly if either one was included. exactly yeah. I wanted to ask you guys about this and I 100% agree with that I think that you can't have Thor or Hulk in this because it's just mass destruction everywhere and, and it's not even fair like you put Thor against like Black Widow and it's just like come on to be fair this was my hypothetical for Castaway since we're not doing it it was what if these characters were in it you know what size would they take what would be some of the repercussions stuff like that that's exactly that's part of my pro cap uh, point of view and I'll mention this now in case I forget to later but uh, Thor would have been team cap yeah. Natasha says as much. Yep. 
when she's talking with Tony and she says, do you really think he'd be on our side? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. See, I took that as Hulk. I thought that was a confirmation that Hulk would be. They were on. talking about they were talking about Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Tony, Tony says we could use a Hulk right about now. I still think though that Thor would be Team Cap. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was Thor. But either way, the point is, not everybody would be Team Tony. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Tony. Because you and here's the thing: <laughs> was think, that good? Think or bad? about it. That was pretty bad. Sorry. Think, think about it. I can't do them all. Think, think why why Bruce in particular. Bruce would be Team Tony. No, t- no. Bruce would be Team Cap. No. Yeah. He Bru- hates the government. Stand your ground, Josh. The same reason. Fight him. The no, same reason that Tony feels guilt about the destruction of the cause. Yes. Bruce carries that in every movie. Yep. He feels guilty yep. for when he become, when he hulks out, he loses control and people have died and he hates it. That's why in Avengers, when they find him, he's been hiding for years because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be that because he knows he is a weapon of mass destruction. He causes casualties wherever he goes and he hates that. He, yep. he feels guilt about that. So he's Team Iron. Exactly. He's Team Iron. Mm-hmm. He, That's would why be, he... he would be pro- now, how they go about it, that's one thing he's always been very cautious of because he doesn't want them to use him as a weapon. Exactly. That's, that's where good, my thinking is. It's th- like That's a good fight, though. If they could then do the airport scene and now it's like, okay, we're not just going to mix and match who everybody's fighting, but it's just Thor versus Hulk. I like that fight. We've already seen that Yeah, fight. they already yeah. did that, though. Yeah, on the helicarrier. Yeah, mm-hmm. we see round two. <laughs> and they already did round two in, in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, that's true. Oh, Thanks, we Josh. We don't Thanks. need it again. Okay, and then the other part of it is like, even though it's like, oh, the fight will be over very quickly, they were all pulling their punches. Yeah, like they talk about that. Exactly. If Tony had wanted to kill people, says it right. You were pulling your punches. Except T'Challa. T'Challa was there to kill man. That's true. He was. That was yeah. also. I forgot to say that. That's also one of my favorite lines. I'm I'm clipped. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a good line. I was also very surprised in that airport fight about how. I feel like they were really hitting Peter really hard. <laughs> Not knowing his limits, I'm like, they could have like really hurt him. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I was, I was like, that was one that's, of, that's cool. always one of my but points. But he, he can take a beating though, right? He yeah, they don't know that. Knows, though. <laughs> they that's just always, met him. That's always been one of my things. It's like, Cap is wrong and freaking almost kills a kid because he wants to prove that he's right. Yeah, but also use, Peter use was hitting hard too. Use this in the Team Iron uh, <laughs> argument later, bro. Okay, mm. so I, I want to spend, uh, I'm going to take three minutes here to kind of read through uh, some of the comic book origin stuff real quick. Um, so the film adaptation is based on the comic book storyline from 2006. In that version, a group of heroes fight some villains in Stanford, Connecticut, and an explosion kills 600 people. Public opinion turns on superheroes, and one of the heroes leaks everyone's secret identities online. Who? It, it's a character we don't know well. At it's least, a, not you and I. It's a very minor Marvel character. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of minor Marvel characters in this storyline. It's a D-list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, so, that, that bro is no longer a superhero bro. <laughs> okay, so Tony Stark is instrumental in helping surpass, in helping pass the Superhuman Registration Act requiring all persons with superhuman abilities to register with the U.S. government. Captain America refuses to join a S.H.I.E.L.D. strike force force to capture those who are in violation of the act, and he is then attacked and becomes a fugitive. So he forms a resistance movement called the Secret Avengers. Several heroes change sides throughout the series. Spider-Man, for one, realizes he made a mistake joining Tony's side. I feel like there's a, uh, that's a theme deep. there. He, I don't he like reveals that. his identity and immediately every bad guy wants to go kill him. 
Yeah. Like, so oh, this okay. this is cool. Did you read these? Uh, bits and pieces. I kind of gave up on it. Um, so several heroes change sides throughout the series. Spider-Man, for one, realizes he's made a mistake joining Tony's side and gets beaten up but saved by the Punisher. Um, Namor and the Atlanteans join the Secret Avengers. When Captain America has an opportunity to end Tony, he realizes the fighting has already caused too much damage and surrenders. And there's some interesting fallout from the series. Uh, for one, Captain America is arrested and later assassinated. Mm-hmm. Oh! Um, he gets shot. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I don't like that. Now that... Well, blame Tony. <laughs> now that Peter's identity is public... this is this, I found this fascinating. Now that Peter's identity is public, Kingpin tries to have him killed, but Aunt May gets hit and is in critical condition. Oh, no. So Spider-Man confronts Kingpin in prison and mercilessly beats him to within an inch of his life and says that if Aunt May dies, so does he. And he also threatens the other inmates to stay away from his family. Wow. Yeah. See, that's, that's very... It's a very dark, yeah. but it's a dark storyline. I, I can see how people are like, that's too far from the character. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Spider-Man would push never... Yeah, exactly. I kind of like that aspect of it. Yeah, I like that it's different. Um, so, a few more. Tony is appointed director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Some heroes leave the country rather than submit to the act. And Peter makes a deal with Mephisto to save Aunt May. But in mm-hmm. exchange, his marriage to Mary Jane is wiped from history. And his secret identity is restored. Mm-hmm. An interesting tidbit about that. It's considered one of the worst Spider-Man storylines <laughs> ever. But, but it shows they you use, sacrifice again. Spider-Man's always sacrificing. They actually use that uh, base of story for No Way Home afterwards. Instead of Mephisto, it's now Doctor Strange that's wiping the, the universe of the memory of You know, I, I read that, and I didn't make that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. All right, so next up is Castaway. We're going to kind of really gloss over this. Yeah. Brian mentioned some really interesting, gloss over it. Yeah. Some, some interesting points. The one thing I want to say is uh, I really love the casting choice of Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that was fantastic. I, I love seeing Aunt were, May were as not, not as an 80-year-old lady. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was cool. And it also makes sense because all this time Peter's a teenager in all the comic book storylines and his aunt is like, what, 70, 80 years old? His grandma, not his aunt. <laughs> yeah, and so it's always been kind of like weird, the, the yeah, age stuff. But it's true. <laughs> all right. So we've reached the, the moment everybody's been waiting for. The Civil War. Wait, right. wait, wait. Before we do that, can I have the say a line from this movie as a different actor character? Yes. Sure. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> turn away, Brian. Uh, and don't judge me. I'm not. I want to say a line by Falcon, but as Mike Tyson. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to give it a go. Here, ready? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in a fight, but there's usually not this much talking. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like uh, Don Corleone. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I, want you, I want you to do a Christopher Walken impression and say... The Frank Grillo or the Crossbones Act. When you gotta go, you gotta go. And I'm taking you with me. When you gotta go, you gotta go. And I'm taking you with me. <laughs> I can't do it. Okay, not that. Not, that, not was like a, that was like almost De Niro, though. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. You guys are merciless. All right, moving on. All right. <laughs> the Civil War. <laughs> I've got a ton of stuff here that I could use to support my argument. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. Um, no. So what I recommend, uh, I, I recommend you read my essay available nowhere. Books are sold. <laughs> I've um, already. I'm sorry to tell you this now. Before the podcast, I had both Josh and Brian privately reread your essay, so that we could be ready for this. Okay, interesting. I've done it also. 
No, yeah. I didn't send it to Missile. I didn't send it. Someone give Missile the. It was gonna notes. be. It was gonna be too much. Okay. Well, I it's wish seven you, pages. I, I wish you had told me because they got an old draft. I'm like on revision number seven. Oh, There's man. more information now. Listen, uh, can I just start by saying this? I originally thought I was gonna fight you hard on this. Okay. I'm not gonna fight you as hard. I I like where I stand on this movie right now, which is that um, my conscience still sides with Tony, even though the movie has, like I said, the bias and it wants you to agree with Captain America. It's a Captain America movie and everything. And there's uh, moments in the movie where they're clearly trying to tell you that Cap is right. And I'm like, fine, that's what you want to, to do. I do still like um, Tony's argument for it. And even though Andy believes that it's mostly based in guilt, um, I think that when you just look at it and what this movie presents, take away all the other movies. I'm not interested in what happened in the previous 10 whatever movies, and I don't care what happens after, where they kind of basically say Cap was right. Well, then you're you're choosing to ignore facts. No, no, I'm looking, I'm just looking at what this movie presents. It presents one dilemma, and I want to use one movie to kind of pick a side, not having to see 20 different hours of, uh, of something else to try to make up my mind. Um, and where I stand right now is that I still generally agree with the principle behind Tony's um, motivation. I think that Cap was right in the end. I'll agree with that. But I think that the result is what made Cap right. He ended up being right because of the actions of a government and not because so he was always right then because that's exactly the argument he makes with tony yeah but no, what he's saying is that he lucked into it yeah because imagine if the government hadn't acted this way and right exactly exactly and then in that case tony's the one acting on more principle i mean not more principle because really i understand steve's side too but the thing is that tony's is is more focused on what's best for the majority Right? He's right. thinking about people. He's thinking about society. Yes, guilt plays a little bit into it and everything. It might be the 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 match that lights the whole thing and, and gets him on that. But still at the end he's just like, Look, man, I'm I'm looking out for the majority. I'm trying to make a decision now that is tough to stave off something worse. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that a hundred percent because you and me, regular people, have to make decisions like that all the time. Where we make a decision maybe we don't love. But we're doing it to prevent something worse from happening. And that's called compromise. That's called living in a society. You have to make those choices. And yeah, Cap ended up being right because of government-related decisions and stuff like that. And the way they wanted the screenwriters wanted the story to play out. Fine. But it doesn't make Cap right. At the same time, I'm okay being in the middle. Both of them presented great arguments. I was on Cap's side at moments. And then other moments, I'm just like, I agree with Tony again. I love that about this movie. That's one of the things I do like, that they present both sides of the argument, and they let you just kind of decide. It's not like you have to feel this way. You have to feel the other way. No, it's like, listen to both sides. Both make great arguments. And I was okay with either one being right at the end of it. I, on this last rewatch. Yeah. Originally, I was like, oh, pro team Iron Man and blah, blah, blah. But now I'm just like, you know what? I love both of those characters, and they were both right in their own ways. Okay, so real quick before we jump into everybody else, I'd like to hear everybody's argument, whether it's pro-Tony or pro-Cap, and then I'll go last. Not to get the last word, but just because I'm the only one on this side, I think. 
Um, and then I think we'll just kind of let the listener decide who they agree with um, as far as the storytelling. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you on this, Brian. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm pretty much on par with with what Steven said there. That's always been my thinking with it. I, I agree in principle behind Cap's thinking. He saw with the, with the Winter Soldier to what point a scary government can be. He's always been that sort of I need to help the little guy sort of attitude, and and in that sense, yes, he's absolutely right. Like you can't look away from a bad situation, but the way that he goes about this, Captain Civil War only happens because of the decisions that Captain America takes. Infinity War happens because of the decisions that Captain America takes in here. This is like like Stephen said. This is a world where you have to make compromises general ross i think did a great job of kind of introducing the accords to the avengers in that sort of sense like this is the middle ground this is the compromise Uh had he taken that that decision had he signed the accords and then worked within the system to get where he needs to get things happened much more differently and then to that point it's it's like say it does get to that point that that it gets totally broken, they can't trust the government or anything like that, then who's there to to back you from it? Mm-hmm. If you really want to back out of it, you can back out of it at some point and then make that decision at that point, but you don't even give the government a chance to work with you. You don't give them a chance to to take you by the side, listen to your point of view. He immediately gets, sees it and, and takes it as it is, and instead of wanting to bend a little bit, kind of work with them, see the middle way. He immediately says, nope, this isn't me. I'm not going to do this. And the movie ends up in a, in a position where it is because of the decisions that he took. Yeah. Ross says something uh, clear. He says, compromise and reassurance. That's how the world works. And that's absolutely true. There are a lot of things that he says that aren't accurate, yeah. but he does say some things very bluntly that are true. They are dangerous from a societal and governmental standpoint. Uh, they don't answer to anyone but themselves. They don't respect international borders. Yes, we've seen that. Uh, but I think it's important to point out, and I didn't you know, get this before, 117 countries, mm-hmm. countries, meaning governments, wanted to sign this. You know how many countries are in the world right now? 197. So that's 60% of the world, more than half, that wanted the Sokovia course to happen. That's not just the US. So you can't say, oh, well, it's a corrupt government or everything. Most of the world wanted regulation on this kind of stuff. So you have to factor that in. You can't just say, oh, well, most of the world, sorry for you, but I still am Captain America and I'm going to do whatever I want. Exactly. That's arrogant. That's exactly. that's not factoring in other people. You know, so now you're kind of working against the world and, and saying, well, no, it's because I want to be able to look out for the little guy when the time comes. That's nice and noble, but the world is saying, no, we want you to tell you to tell you when we want you to come over. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost like an invitation to your house, right? You don't get to tell me when you get to come over to my house. Okay, so l- let me jump in here because there's a lot that's being said and I don't want this to become like a super long back and forth because then it's hard to follow mm-hmm. uh, for the listener and then this will drag on forever. Okay, One last thing here, before here, you start. Here, no, here, One last here, thing. Here's, here's, Tony's line. Tony says, if we can't accept limitations, if we're boundaryless, then we're no better than the bad guys. That's a great line. Okay. And very accurate. You you said the line that it, the dark it, 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 it's it. an invitation, mm-hmm. right? You can you you can't just come over to my house. The the what the argument cat makes is your house is on fire. 
but you're telling me I can't go put it out because I haven't been invited. So you'd rather your house burn down than me go put it out. Isn't it somebody's decision to tell you whether or not you're allowed to come over? If your house is on fire, use it, put, put yourself in those no, shoes. No, no, no. If your house is on fire, you, you want, don't want your neighbor to do anything about it because you did not give him permission to. That is the analogy. That's, that's exactly when they would tell you, come over. It's what? like you're on intercom, okay? And I tell you, okay, you can come over now because my house is on fire. But it's another thing, you see my house on fire and you're just going to come on in. Yeah, because it might be too late. <laughs> but that's not, but you're violating somebody's right there. Okay, Brian, I'll let you go and then I'll, I'll do my spiel. <clears throat> There's, uh, Josh and Steven said a lot of the points that I wanted to say, so I won't rehash them. But first of all, after this latest rewatch, my decision is, is that nobody came out looking good at the end of this movie. And it's evidenced by the fact that both of them have something to apologize for. I agree with that. No one is happy with the choices they made. Not even Steve, really. What is Steve apologizing for other than never telling Tony about his, how his parents died? Well... Temper tantrum. Yeah, that's... he. He's having to accept responsibility for the fact that his choices in the past and currently has led to, like, what this is now. And he does extend the olive branch by sending the letter and the... And the phone, you know, it's like there's still you can still count on me, but he knows that this is because he decided what was right and no one can tell him otherwise. And that's that is a certain I don't know. I don't remember who said I think Nat was the one that said that that's that's a dangerous type of arrogance that he's showing there. Rody says that was Rody. Oh, Rody says. okay, yeah. yeah. And and it's true. Because why? Why does Captain America have the best judgment out of everyone there? I don't know if you're done with, or if you want me to respond. <laughs> well, if you have a response. Because in my opinion, there's, there's nothing that specifically says everyone needs to listen to his judgment. You can call him the, uh, the de facto leader of the Avengers or whatever else. But the point is, is that he's still an imperfect person mm -hmm. who is going to make mistakes. And even he himself accepts that, and yet he can't accept the fact that he might be making a mistake in his way of thinking, and he's also not willing to compromise his way of thinking either. Okay, so I disagree with that. They're having a conversation at the beginning. Uh, Secretary Ross presents this. This is how it needs to be. They're having a discussion. He's making his side, and Tony's telling his side. It's just a discussion, but those are the two alphas in the room, Tony and Steve. Steve is the most vocal on his side. Everybody else is a little bit more vocal. The ones on, on Tony's side. Those are Rhodey and Natasha. Um, but even, even then, he's not dead set on it has to be his way, Steve. Because again, after Bucky gets captured, he sits in a room with Tony and he's about to sign. That's true. <laughs> what is it that changed between now and then? He says, I'm willing to to think about it, to talk about it. Let's, let's, let's get to that point, okay? Um, and then Tony drops a bombshell, which is one of the things that Steve feared all along is you're giving the government too much control. Wanda's in an internment camp. Tony's okay with it because it's in his, you know, in a compound where, oh, she's comfortable. Yeah. She's still in prison. She's a prisoner. She's, she's where she lives, though. And she literally... She cannot leave. But she's she's directly responsible for the death of many different people in an, in a country that's not her own. No, Crossbones is responsible. If no, no, she's no. not there, 
Who dies? I don't know. Probably they, the people who already were going to die because he was there to steal. Of, he was there to steal something. A biological weapon. And, yeah. Okay. More people die. Right. So, but, they, but the point is, is that Wanda was seen as responsible for something, right? Yeah. And it's only fair for them to at least give them chance to clear her name. She yep. can't just be running around doing something. Someone can be arrested for a crime they didn't commit, but they're still arrested until they're proven that, yeah, they're, that, that they're either guilty That's a good or analogy. Not. That's the, a good analogy. The law says innocent until proven, proven guilty, guilty, but the world treats you guilty until proven innocent. Okay. And Tony thinks that way as well. Yeah. Yes, he, he went about it probably not the best way. That that's the that's the point of, of, of this movie. It's like they're both set in there. They they both see the world a bit a, a different way, and yes, they both take decisions that could have take, been taken better. Like hindsight's twenty twenty. They I, I guarantee you that both of them presented with the same situation, they do it a bit differently. But the the point is that Tony is taking it in the sense of like I'm trying to protect everyone, including Wanda. He sees mm-hmm. it as a protection to Wanda. He doesn't see it as a prison like the way. Cap sees it. Is it? I mean, yes, kind of. Wanda even agrees, Josh, to your point. Because Vision's not letting Wanda go out, right? And he says, Mr. Stark would like to avoid another incident until the accords are finalized. And and Wanda asks, what do you want? And he says, for people to see you as I do. Mm -hmm. Wanda then shows to be reasonable. She's like, okay, that makes sense. This makes sense for me to be here in this position for the moment until... Things blow over. Okay, first of all, she's a child, basically. She's a teenager, right, in the movie? No, she is, I think, if I remember correctly, I'll look it up. I think she's, like, supposed to be 27 by this point. Really? Young, because yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Steve says she's a child. She's a kid. She's Tony. a kid. Someone, <laughs> someone said fair to that, because Cap's, like, 100 years old. Yeah. No, but okay. I think he does say she's a kid. She's implying she's pretty young. Yeah, she's pretty young. Okay. The movie takes place in 2015, and in WandaVision, they claim she was born in 1989, so she's 26 in Civil War. Woo! Okay, well, Steve considers Dang, Josh, her to be a kid. How do you know this? Okay, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with the ball here for a little bit, okay? Um... The Lagos incident, according to Secretary Ross, triggers this, it's, you know, the world is fed up, okay, because the Battle of New York, um, the thing in Washington, um, and then what was the third one? I'm missing one. Sokovia. Sokovia, yeah. Oh, that's, and, that's the big one. And D.C. Yeah, D.C. Oh, you said, you I said, mentioned okay. D.C. Uh-huh. and then Lagos, right? And Lagos, yeah. If they aren't at any of those, they still play out exactly the same. They weren't responsible for Loki showing up, but they were the only reason Loki didn't take over the world, basically. They weren't responsible for the DC stuff. Steve actually stopped the government from having control and being able to kill, assassinate millions of people that weren't going to follow the Hydra ideology. Sokovia is Tony's fault. A hundred percent. That is not debatable. He admits it in the movie. It's yeah. my fault. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that leads to my whole thing about guilt. These two characters see the world in different ways for different reasons. Steve was a military man, and he sees, okay, this is the way it really is. Tony was, you know, loosey-goosey, and he's responsible for the death of thousands, hundreds, thousands, millions of people we don't know. And he carries that guilt. Mm-hmm. But he was always anti-government. He sits in front of a congressional panel in Iron Man 2, and he basically flips him the bird. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So why all of a sudden is he now like, hey, this is the right thing to do? Because he, he carries that guilt. He's already in a bad place mentally and emotionally at the beginning of this movie. And then Miriam Sharp's words sent him over the edge. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then the idea is what difference does it make whether or not the government gave them permission to go? Okay. Oh. It, it's collateral damage. It happens no matter what. Yeah. Okay. And then collateral damage is part of it. If they if they don't get to go, it gets worse. So it's like, what is what is the risk here? That's Steve's question. What are we losing if we say yes to this? Mm -hmm. And that is the question that I feel like nobody answered. So they sign it. What if there's somewhere they need to go and they they won't let them? Cat mentions that too. Yeah, those are the that that's his that's that's his question, and everybody's like dismisses of it. Nobody really ever answers the question. Well, because they know how it's, that it's a out. horrible situation to be in. Of course, yeah. they want to go and help. Well, that question help. gets answered in the movie because Steve and uh, Sam have that question. It's like, here's Bucky. He's presented a situation to us that requires immediate attention. There are four or five other Winter Soldiers that we think are about to be woken up. And why don't they call Tony? Because they said, first of all, we don't know if he'll believe us. And second, we don't know if they'll let us go. Well, why don't they believe him? Because he went out of his way, didn't didn't pay attention to the UN, didn't pay attention to the signing, and instead goes out of his way, bypasses everybody, even the Avengers, to go save his own friend. He lets okay. his personal why did, to why, go why did he go save Bucky? Answer that question for me. Because he has a personal bias to He wants to help his friend. Is he trying to help his friend own. escape justice? He's trying yes. to... Uh, he's, he's trying to keep him from getting killed. Yes. yes. Yeah. That is the plea. He's not trying to prevent Bucky from having to face justice for what he's done. He's trying to prevent him from being killed for something he didn't do. Because that's the thing. There is a shoot on site order. They're not going to ask questions. They're not going to investigate. Did he actually do it? They're that's going true. to kill him. That's why as soon as they catch Bucky, he stops fighting. Because he says, okay, it's over. At least now they won't kill him. They have the guns trained on him after that motorcycle chase, but they're not going to kill him. Mm -hmm. He will be treated fairly from this point forward. Yeah. It is not about, hey, Bucky you know, is my friend, so he, he doesn't go to jail. He doesn't answer for any of it. At no point does he try to refrain him from facing accountability for what he's done. Okay, It's about, don't kill my friend. That's why, again, at that point, he sits down at the table with Tony to talk about it. He, he sees some merit in the Accords. He just thinks there's stuff that uh, may work against him in the future. The other part of it is, Tony is driven by guilt, right? That's what I've been claiming, and I think that's pretty obvious. He feels guilty. He's had blood on his hands since before he was Iron Man, and he feels guilty for it. He's trying to atone for it. That's why he gives away millions of dollars at the beginning of the movie to these MIT kids. He says, it helps ease my conscience. He tells that to Miriam Sharp. She says that was very nice what you did. Oh yeah, they yeah, deserve yeah, but it. You can't use that. Tough. You can't use that as an argument against them. People can feel bad about something or the way that they, you know, handled things in the past, and then make good decisions based on okay. that. But you can't say, oh, because he was guilty, all of his decisions after that are trash. No, 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 no. Here's the thing: the problem with the accords, even Tony does not believe in them. He does not. That's why he immediately says, "It's fine. We'll change it later." Yeah. If you believe in something, why would you even say that? Why would you say, oh, we'll just fix it later? Because it's about compromise. It, no, it's a, he, says, he says it's a PR win and we need one. Yeah. 
They do need Wanda because yeah, she that, Wanda just killed a bunch of people. But that, that, that's the point. He doesn't believe in it because the document is flawed. And that's exactly why Steve says we can't sign it if it's flawed. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just fix it later. They're going to create massive problems by it. And it does. Immediately it plays out with Bucky where he's like, we can't even go to the government now because they signed the accords. Okay? The other part of it is Secretary Ross is such a hypocrite and a flawed person to even bring this to them and try to make them feel guilty. Okay? He says, what do you think would happen if I lost a 30 megaton uh, megawatt ton nuke. I, there'd be consequences for me, right? Oh yeah, he created an abomination and sent him loose in Brooklyn. Well, what happened to him? He got promoted. Yeah, and, and that's exactly why they use him because they know the history behind him and everything. So it's just like, okay, yeah, don't don't use General Ross as your moral compass in this. Okay, this one. continuing uh, again. The movie has a bias here with Captain America. Okay, you see certain scenes and you're just like, okay, this isn't fair because you're clearly trying to point to the fact that Cap is the one who is okay. right. One no, second. no, no, no. They, they, they wrote okay. a story it's and right. they, they tried to make it compelling for both sides. Yeah. But there is a winner. And that that's more, point. that's, so, it's more interesting to me that there's compelling sides on both sides yeah, than exactly. for you to <clears throat> intentionally tell us okay. there's a clear winner here. Wait, wait, continue, Andy. Just continue. Tony, right. Tony's motivation is, is pure. He, he, he wants to protect people. Like, I'm all good with that. I'm not saying his motivation was bad. His motivation is good. He's a hero. He's a, a decent guy at heart. You, you're kind of throwing him under the bus <laughs> by saying that his entire motivation was guilt, and because of that, you know, his argument's not valid. Just That's not fair. But hold on. Keep going. Okay. The other part is, and even though you don't want to acknowledge the other movies, Stephen, the movies clearly tell us where everybody's allegiances were. You think of the teams. Who's on what side? And then you think, by the end of the movie, we know a lot of those people who were on Tony's side didn't even believe in Tony's side. T'Challa was not there because he thought the Accords were a good thing. He didn't give a crap about the Accords. He was there to kill Bucky. Mm -hmm. Again, that's not like a morally superior person saying like, hey, I'm going to get revenge and I'm going to kill somebody. And he realizes it by the end of the movie. that the Accords were a good thing when he was talking to Natasha? He yep. did. He, he did. did. He did say that. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't believe in it. He's there Oh, now him. he's going to tell us that a line <laughs> written for the character is not true? <laughs> he's out to kill Bucky. No, no. No, this, no, no, this is before that yeah. happens. At the, no, no, I'm at saying, the UN. I'm, saying, I'm talking about the teams. I'm talking about the teams, why they're on each team. Yeah, oh, we're talking teams? But we're talking about the UN. But, like, at the court, it's just, they're just is, is on board. They're just, saying, they're just saying Black Panther was on if board you with throw the that out, your argument does not stand. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So then, do, do I go into a, a diatribe about why T'Challa is a hypocrite too? When he goes into <laughs> oh, other gosh. countries no, to pursue... No, please, please don't do this. When anymore. he goes into other countries to pursue Claw, please he don't do the this. believer of you cannot go into somebody else's territory... But that's after that's after the events. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Before, the accords have been signed. Before, At that point, that. the accords are signed, and he probably put his name on that document, and he he violated the thing well, that he believed in. According to you, nobody guys. knew he was Black Panther, right? That yeah, point. he took the mask off all the time. But that and was, he talked about it. Yeah, no, he took it off at that uh, in the end. It he was took like it off after. after. Right. Exactly. Okay. Ooh, it's getting high in here. Continue. Even this was jumping. Okay. I need to stop with this. So they 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 they. Natasha does not believe in it. Mm -hmm. She's torn. Mm -hmm. She tells Steve as much. She's not really sure what side. This is the person who told the government to kiss her butt at the end of Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. She says, you're not going to put us in prison because you need us. And she literally says the line, ours are the safest hands at the end of Winter Soldier. She does not believe in Tony's side. She doesn't want conflict. She's trying to look for peace, okay? No, because mm. she says something here. She, she defends it. Um, when she goes, uh, let's see here. I've got it here. Natasha, where do I have it? Okay, so Natasha agrees with Tony uh, that if 
something happens now and then bad stuff happens again and the Avengers get blamed, the world is going to turn on them and the Accords will be forced on them. It'll be ugly. And like Tony says, we need to win their trust back. The Avengers were hated even before uh, Sokovia and it wasn't because of the Avengers. It was because of Tony. Why? Because before Sokovia gets dropped from space and blows, you know, kills all these people, when they are going to get um, whatever the Hydra guy is, at the end, Baron, I don't remember his name. It's and yeah. Tony sends <laughs> oh, out the yeah. Iron Legion. <laughs> I, he sends out the Iron Legion as yeah. part of a peacekeeping thing. They're all throwing rocks at these robots who are trying to protect them. And it's because they hate him, because they hate Tony, because Tony dropped bombs on Sokovia, which is why Wanda and Pietro hate Tony as well, and they're set on revenge for him. They hate Tony. This is all about Tony. Tony is the guilty party in this. I love the character of Iron Man. He's the guilty party in this. Okay, let's keep going. Rhodey is pro-government because he's a military man and all that, and he's also Team Tony because that's his best friend. He changes his mind. In Infinity War... Okay, Steve is not guilty of anything other than not signing the accords. The first thing that Secretary... Is he still Secretary at that point? He's a General Ross. I don't think it's fair to be bringing other Secretary. movies into this, though. Because now you're using too, too, too many movies to try to make a point as opposed to what this movie is presenting. Base it on what you see in this movie. Okay, well then, just like um, Rhodey is pro... Tony, because that's his best friend, and you take your best friend's side. I think that uh, Paul Rudd's character, I'm blanking now. And so I'm Scott Lang. Scott. Scott. Scott, yeah. Scott Lang. I don't think Scott is ever presented with an argument. He doesn't sit down and have a conversation with both sides to see what side he's on. He gets recruited, and he's a fanboy of Captain America. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Peter. Right. I'm bothered by Peter's words in the movie. He said you you thought you were right, but you're wrong, and that makes you dangerous. Tony did not tell him both sides of the story. Tony did not sit down with a 17-year-old and have an argument about these are the pros and cons. Right. Again, Peter's a pretty smart kid, though. Yeah, but Peter is a Tony Stark fan, and so he's like, cool, I'm going to Germany to help him. Mm-hmm. I'm being told they're wrong, so that's who I'm going to do my part, right? But the thing is, when you do the math at the end, and they admit that whether it's Thor, whether it's Hulk, would not be on Tony's side. I think the majority of the people that are at the airport are believers in Cap's side more than Tony's. Wanda, you mentioned how she agrees with Vision at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. She changes and- her mind 30 seconds later yeah. because she realized that, no, Clint's argument is actually better. No, it's because she wants to leave. Yes. It's because she wants to leave. She doesn't want to be in there, but she realized in that moment, yeah, Vision, you are right. So there's some level of wisdom in her. And it's only until Clint says, hey, come on, let's go. It's one thing to want to leave, and it's another thing to want to take part in a fight like that. She, I, she fights because she believes in that side of the argument. I think we're missing a very crucial point. Isn't Vision like the smartest person there? Like the wisest guy there? <laughs> no. I, Vision, I, Vision, I love Vision, Vision because in this of movie. that thing in his forehead. Dude, Vision is spewing straight wisdom well, in that is, scene. In the scene where they're all together. He's a, logic, he's a logic machine, but he lacks the human element. Yeah. And that's okay. the argument. So there. he's perfect. Mm-hmm. So the good thing you can say about Vision, he's unbiased. He doesn't have like a bias here. Like mm-hmm. he, he's an android. He thinks logically. Okay. But he can't see context. Okay. That's why 
throughout the movie, they kind of, or is it in this movie or in a future one, where they imply that he's changing, he's evolving, right? Because he's starting it's, to grow. It's Infinity War. That's Infinity War. Infinity yeah. War. It's this one where he misses and shoots the black yeah. guy. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's implied at the end. That's yeah. yeah, it's like, I got distracted. That's unusual. Okay, because we don't know where he would have landed had he continued to evolve on that argument. But he makes a fair argument about how, you know, it incites challenge and whatnot. Um, but the point is, I don't think he was right nor wrong. I think he can't, he doesn't have context. I think the person who has the most context is Steve because Steve has lived in different eras. Yeah. Steve has very re- good reason to mistrust government. But doesn't Vision have, know everything? Like supposedly he knows the history all the of history. the world, He knows right? everything, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he didn't live it. What's so, the difference, Andy, knowing got, and living it? I've got two rebuttals for you. Um, the first one is the, the the hypotheticals that Steve uses to justify his actions. Because he does ask the question, what if the Accords don't allow us to go and help a country that needs us, right? Mm-hmm. But these are all just what ifs. And he's taking a stand on something that is neither conform- like confirmed or implied until later because the story dictates it that way. That's why whenever I say that he kind of lucked his way into being right, it's because the actions of one government out of the hundred and some that agreed to this Amen. proved him to be right. And that, that to me is not fair, which brings me to my second rebuttal. And that's why is Steve Rogers the ultimate moral authority here? That's just not fair in the context of this world. Because yes, he is a superhuman. There's lots of enhanced individuals here. And yet he's the one that has to say what's right and what's wrong. You see, because you use the burning house analogy, right? But because a house that's burning down is very clearly something that needs to be fixed. There's situations that come up in the world of these heroes that isn't black and white or so clear cut there's still like a gray area and someone has to make a judgment call as to whether what's right or what's wrong and what justifies actions and what doesn't. And you can allow that to be one guy. And whenever they get involved in something, then yes, you also mentioned there's collateral damage. And it's easy for us to accept that fact that the lives of some is okay, the cost of them is okay, if it meant that the lives of many were saved. Even though I'm pretty sure Steve says we don't trade lives later on mm-hmm. because he knows that that's that's not right to do okay so he wouldn't willingly want to do that but still the issue remains that there is collateral damage there's people whose family members get killed when these conflicts come up and all they want is accountability because the avengers come in they do their thing people die and the avengers get to leave and they don't have to deal with that and what they would like is for there to be some because if someone through an action they believe is right causes the death of a family member of yours, you're gonna be upset with that person. In fact, you're gonna question the judgment of that person. Did they make the right call? Why is it that what they did resulted in the loss of life of someone I love? Maybe there was a better way. Maybe there was another way that allowed whoever it was that died to continue living. You you can't really answer that without questioning the judgment of the person who made that call. So. This whole argument, as far as, you know, whether Steve is right or not, because you do bring up excellent points, and I'm not saying that Tony isn't flawed, because he definitely is. I mean, the story clearly tells you that. So, no, they didn't, they, they didn't go about it the right way. But Steve is hinging on the fact, on his fact, that he's right. 
Mm-hmm. And and that to me is a very serious issue for someone to just to just take that as at, truth. At the end of it, even with the movie, it, it presents it in a way that this is an imperfect solution for an imperfect world. In a, in a perfect world, Steve is right. In a perfect world, they get it. They get it the way that they need it, and they trust it, and they always make the right decision. It's not that. And, mm-hmm. and Tony sees it for what it is. Tony, Rhodey, Vision. They need. They you need to play politics. You need to play the the, the game. The that's, game. That's, that's part game. of it. That's I, I actually see that backwards. I think in a perfect world, Tony's side is right because you go through and, and procedure and protocols, and you get the appropriate and, permissions exactly. to go wherever. Either one Steve of Steve is the one that's saying there's a gray area here. What happens when we need to be here? And they're saying like, no, we we can't do that. But he didn't give him a chance to answer that question. Okay, so there was a lot that you mentioned. And I, I can't answer all of it because. Uh, nor know, should we. Okay, yeah. Mm. Nor, nor should we. The first part is it's not a hypothetical question. It's a it's a real question that Steve asks. What happens when or if it's cause and effect? What happens when this happens and we can't do something about it? That's not really a hypothetical. That's a legit question that has to be answered and never get, gets answered. But it's a it's a hypothetical. He's referring to a hypothetical situation, and he doesn't even wait for an answer. Had he heard an answer that he likes, he might have signed. But no, there's a, a question that follows that, and there's never an answer to either of Steve's questions. It's basically just, hey, we're going to sign this. You know, that's what we have to do. Okay. As far as the other one, as far as Steve's, you know, being the superior moral person. Well, it's clearly not Tony based on his history, right? Mm-hmm. Out of all that group, he is the most moral one, okay? That's not to say that he's perfect. But, and this is an argument with the, the Marvel story writers, don't blame me. I'm not saying that this is true. He is almost morally perfect, which is exactly why he almost lifts Thor's hammer, because he's worthy, right? So uh, That's a dangerous thought. Okay. Right? Vision mm-hmm. is morally perfect. So, so... Ooh. And he immediately raises the hammer. Wow. <laughs> there you go. He's also wow. Case closed, <laughs> closed by the hammer. For your first point. But he's not human. Okay, hold on. Let me finish this and then I'll let you jump in. Okay? He's not human. Okay? The other part is this. So the theory is that the reason Cap couldn't lift it in Tony's apartment. <laughs> we're, we're, getting, we're getting away from the Okay, no, 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 no. Because I'm, I'm directly addressing something Brian brought up, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the, the reason speculated is because he had one flaw, and it was that he hadn't told Tony, his friend, the truth about his parents. After that, that's why in Endgame he can lift the hammer. Wait a minute, no. The uh, is that is that real? No, it's just a it's just a fan theory. It's one of them. It's the never other one addressed. is that he was faking it that he couldn't lift it. He couldn't. Okay, he so yeah. you just that's, think about it as think about right. it as a fan. What changed between Age of Ultron where he can't lift the hammer and because he's not worthy and Endgame? The only thing is he got that off his conscience. He knew he should have told his friend, and he admits as much at the end of the movie. He apologized to me. I was sparing myself, not you. I was sparing myself from having a difficult conversation. Yeah, but the, the, the point remains though, Andy, is that I can't personally accept that Steve Rogers alone can decide better than 116 nations combined. That's, that's crazy to me. There is no way that a single person's judgment is gonna trump most of the world. Yeah. I mean, ha- like you That's can't, that. you can't, that simple. you just can't do that. Maybe if Steve had come up with a solution that maybe played a part similar to what the Accords does, but again, it's like a team effort and they're discussed and everything else. 
but that's not the case so, here. So again, your argument then is with Tony because Steve comes to the table willing to discuss it twice. Okay. And but, both times Tony finds a way to blow it up. No, no, no. He 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 said the situation about I do agree that he was willing to discuss the accords the second time because the first time he had to go to the funeral of the funeral of his girlfriend and then flirt with his with her niece. So weird. That was weird. I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. But the second time, yes, he was willing to at least discuss it. And then when he learns about Wanda's situation, then he immediately writes the whole thing off. And to me, he's that's not exactly fair. It's okay for him to be upset about that situation. It's okay for him to question it. But yes. it's not okay for him to write off the whole accord because of that one instance made by one government when we're talking about, like, more than 100. And but, again, it wasn't even the government at that point. It was a Tony judgment call seeing the situation, seeing yeah. the government. Yes, Tony could have handled it differently. So why was that? So again, if we're talking about who has the right amongst them to make unilateral decisions, like why didn't Tony get the unilateral? He doesn't. That's why it was a no one is saying no one is saying Tony was right in that, but no one is saying that Tony is the moral judgment here either. He is trying to surrender that judgment call to people that are more worthy of making it. Okay, guys, let's let's give this one more minute, Matt. Okay, let's wrap it up. Are they really more worthy? Because again, it goes to the whole point of Steve's argument. It's like these are governments run by people who have agendas Mm -hmm. is there anything in any of the movies previous that disproves that when we see in the first movie in the first captain america movie how the government is willing to sacrifice soldiers behind enemy lines and steve goes and gets them okay we see how hydra infiltrates all levels of government Mm -hmm. we see how the world security council is willing to nuke all of new york city because that's easier Mm-hmm. So, is there anything to suggest the Avengers aren't morally superior to all these governments? Hey, man. And there's there's a hundred examples, and we'll just kind of wrap it up just, there. Just Sacrifices because need to be made. Just because they're that's Steve's point. Just, <laughs> You're making Steve's argument. You're saying because, there's collateral damage. No, just but because they're fake Steve, he's against. It. Just because they're superhuman people doesn't take away from the fact that they're still people. And just like the agendas of people in government and these systems change, then the agendas of these superpowered people can also change. Wanda being a prime example of that, too. And she's one of the most powerful members of that group. Mm-hmm. So, no, no, I can't say that the Avengers is, has the moral high ground than the rest of the world. I think that the way to fix it is compromise because yeah. both, both can find a middle ground morally. And not rely on just one or the other. Mm-hmm. I to wish quote him again, compromise and reassurance. Yes, That's sir. how the world works. Yes, yes sir. Don't quote wrong. In regards to that, <laughs> Don't you? Uh, that you said that Steve's point, yes. Last like comment. if it affects him or one of his friends, he's against it. Like, mm-hmm. Because it on the first government, if uh, Wanda actually did that and it was up to the government, they would have put her in that one cell that you see later on. Like you know the straight yeah. jacket and whatnot. Yeah, I but think, she's I, in that billion-dollar complex with everything on there that you can imagine. Okay, okay. Yeah. My my last point. Then we'll move on because we've talked about this forever. We could go on forever. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm just right. gonna I'm gonna say something and I'm gonna let it sit. Okay, <laughs> okay. Why were those guys imprisoned at the raft at the end of the movie? Because they failed twice. What 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 was their crime? Because they killed people. They didn't kill anybody. They who went, who originally who did, they who did, did, and then did, they went through Tony's... Uh, no, 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 no. Who did Clint kill? They broke the law. And what was the yes. law? The, the law of the, the Accords. Sokovia Accords. 
they they broke the law that was established okay and the again we're going back to these are the actions of one government no 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 no, no. hold on they, but, no, they, no, no. they we, we, we got to stop it there man okay otherwise no. we'll keep going they, they didn't break the law they're, they're they're, they were they were arrested for aiding and abetting a fugitive who had bombed the UN. By that point, it had already been proven they had not done such a thing. He was not responsible for that, and Ross knew it because on the plane when Tony's heading to the raft, Friday tells him that, and he says, "Send that to Ross." Ross knew they weren't guilty of anything. They were not aiding and abetting a fugitive, and he left them in there anyway. That's why Steve has to go in and that's say not, no, that's because not the they were acting broke. with that's not, the, that's not the law. The, the law they broke is going into sovereign nations without permission yes. and doing whatever they wanted. Yes. That's the law they broke. Yes. yes. So did Tony. Yeah. But, so, but, but, Tony, but the, Tony got sent on the behalf of and the government. That, and he right. was sanctioned yes. to do it. Yes. Okay. Right. We, we, yes. we've, we've got to stop that. <laughs> I hope We're you guys right. enjoyed that. We said, it, we, like, said, yeah. we said it wasn't going to get hot. Hey, good job, good job, Steven. Wait, I thought we won that. I think we won that. You really no thought way. you won that? <laughs> <laughs> you did. Hey, no. You know, the you fact know what? that Vision for, says. For, for all the listeners out there that have your own opinion as far as who's right or who's wrong or what you think, maybe you can leave a comment on our Instagram page. And I thought I thought about doing yeah. I thought about doing a poll. Let, let us know how you feel. Seriously. We don't get nearly enough engagement on social media yet to make the poll worthwhile. That's okay. Missile's here. He'll he'll drum it up. Yeah. I, I, get I, us all those responses. I'm willing to put the poll up and see how people feel. But. Let's do hit it takes five minutes max. Okay. Oh my god. Wait, what? <laughs> Uh, look, blow through them. What point are we Jake's most hated tech of the movie. You guys got one? Vision. Oh, drone. Vision. No. Because Vision's technically tech. And he's going to be like, what do you mean? Can't leave my house. Get out of my way. <laughs> I thought you were going to say when he missed the shot. No. Where he missed that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's All right. a drone. Okay. It's a drone. Edgar's item of the movie that was too expensive to buy at retail. The barf technology. He'd be like, I can get a PSVR 2 and pay a fraction of the price. <laughs> but he didn't even like paint well. My, my thought was... The drone. Because it was like $600 million for that thing. My, oh, thought, my yeah. thought was uh, Zemo's room service. He'd probably be like, yo, this isn't going to be a good, right? This is, <laughs> this is part of the package. <laughs> I also said barf. Uh, Edgar would say an Oculus has better games and doesn't cost $611 million. <laughs> Okay, uh, we don't need to talk about my favorite vacation spot from the movie. I don't Vienna. think I have there, one. There Vienna. were none. That's, that's, Germany. Germany. that's one where I had nothing. I had nothing for Just you Just Germany in general. <laughs> okay, Steven, did you have an OMG moment? Um, if it hadn't been for the trailer, it would have been Spider-Man showing up. But um, it, based on what happened in the movie, Cap keeping Bucky from getting away in the chopper. Mm, that looks like, scene. wow. Look how strong this dude is. He's literally keeping Bucky from leaving. Yeah, it's even, and, I, and I took that as Juana's... We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Kane's most likely moment to scream something out in theater. Oh, I know. It's I know. I know. Whenever Iron Man is beating up uh, uh, Captain America, he's going to scream out, Chapster. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Sharon and Cap at the elevator. He would have been like, go up with her, man. <laughs> I or, said, whenever he's with Aunt May. <laughs> okay. I, I thought the kiss, the Sharon and Cap kiss, he would have been like, Whoa. No, been like, I think he would have been like, Ugh. It's okay. weird. Well, well, I'm winning this one because I put, it's when Ant-Man says, I got something kind of big, but I can't hold it. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Brian's vexing issues. We got to go fast on this, okay? Yeah. Uh, I've got the one uh, in Lagos. Not one bad guy can get a single shot off at Black Widow. I looked. Not a single shot. It's super frustrating to watch. Oh, well, she's very quick. 
Okay. No, no, right. it's, it's, it's not realistic. <laughs> There's like 17 guys that attack her, and not a single one can, can fire the gun. They, none of them can. No, that and uh, the Winter Soldier, they're shooting at him, and surprisingly, just one arm covers his whole body. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That is a good one. My vexing issue was uh, there is no way, in no way at all, that Cap can hold his own against Spider-Man. Heck no. You saw how he blocks Bucky's punch with his metal arm like nothing? Yeah. And Bucky is supposedly on the same power level as Cap, at least similar? Yeah, there's no way that, that okay. Cap is over here like launching Spider-Man with a kick or with a punch. Heck no, because he does it, not even with his shield. I can understand with the shield. No, he does it with like a drop kick and he sends Spider-Man flying. Heck no, he would have bounced off him. <laughs> I don't have an opinion on that. I'm not qualified to answer that. I didn't think... I, nothing about that stood out to me, but I'll take your yeah. word for it. That, that's always been my, my sort of thinking, the way that they body Spider-Man like that. It's like, Spider-Man would definitely be holding back. He could definitely hold his own against that, but ain't no way that Cap of all people is the one that bullies, <laughs> that bullies Spider-Man, man. Yeah, there's just no way. I might be too much of a Cap homer, but I, I, I don't feel that strongly he about that. He caught a car. A car, three thousand pounds, forty miles an hour. Spider-Man, Spider-Man can hold a, can can hold his own for a bit against a Hulk, man. And and you're gonna tell me that a Cap can do that? No. Yeah, and that's pulling from comic knowledge, but I'm saying like even in the movie, it's established how strong he is because of the car and because of how he treats Bucky like nothing. Yes. <laughs> and yet, when it comes to Cap, it's like he has to fight him, quote unquote. Yeah, heck no. Okay, well, I, I, I don't want to get into an argument about that, sir, Captain America fan. Okay, so I, I had two two issues, and I'm going to skip one. Thanks. Two issues? Uh, the, 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 my number one vexing How does Peter not know the name Hoth and ATATs or at That's your most vexing issue? Yeah, there's no way he calls it the Snow Planet and Walkie thingies, okay? He's clearly seen the movie, and he is not like a cool kid. He's a nerd. He, he's no Star Wars. Like, and stop I mean, it. Come on. I, I, no I, 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 I know nerds that wouldn't know the names. No. Me? Even even semi-casual uh, Star Wars fans. He doesn't know the names. No. I don't know any of the Marvel names. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't watch the movie. He was cleaning. <laughs> no, but he, but he's seen every single Marvel movie. But he's seen Star Wars, and he knows that scene, I'm guessing, but without knowing the names. Oh, yeah. The... I don't know the Star Wars names, and I love yeah. Star no. Wars. No. You, you clearly don't love Star Wars, okay? <laughs> I, Star Wars I, don't, I don't know the name, but I love Star Wars, guys. I can't get enough of it. I mean, the name is here. Yeah. No, I just don't believe that Peter doesn't know. Okay. Like, right. they it build a, a freaking Lego Death Star, hey, and he, good point. he calls it the Snow Planet? Good point. Okay. Good point. Second, second point? Uh, it's not worth talking about. <laughs> say it, say it, say it, say it. Okay, one of Chef Kiss male character of the movie. It's it's Steve. It's Steve. I think the muscles be weird. wins over Bucky. <laughs> My second choice is General Ross. <laughs> oh, Secretary Ross in this movie. Oh, sorry. He Secretary hasn't been promoted yes, yet, yes. again for no reason. <laughs> Didn't do anything worthwhile, but he got promoted again. Seniority. Okay. Um... Iris's, I mean, Iris's stretch legs. It's moment. anything involving Sharon Carter. I guarantee you, she she tunes that out. I I was I was I put down here Winter Soldier's uh, flashback, the ones where they start going through all the you know that yeah. thing with all the Winter Soldiers. I could skip that. 
I just realized I missed one point in my pro Captain America <laughs> argument. But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> I, I have another vexing issue. I, I didn't get or like the kiss between Sharon Carter oh, yeah. and no. Cap. I thought it was really weird. I think, it, play. I, I think they, they, they could. They would retcon that. They, they, yeah, yeah, they never followed up on it. And it's like, that was wasted. It was weird. I, I, just, yeah. I think it's hated across Marvel in general. Yeah, it's like, no one likes that. That's why they like retcon it, basically. They make her a bad guy the next time. Yeah. It's like, no, okay. Okay. that's done. That's Nieces, done. that's not funny. Honey moment. Anything? Uh, I have not got nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sadly's called it moment. Bucky killed Tony's parents. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's man. But yeah. could you really call that? That seems I like do a think beat. So no, I, mean, I didn't. But see, technically, see, I was thinking about that, but I mean, like, technically, they they say that in Winter Soldier. Yeah. They revealed it in Winter Soldier that it was the Winter Soldier that that influenced that, and it's like when we take care of inconveniences, where Arnim Zola is talking to to Cap. And they show Winter Soldier, and then they show the death of Tony's parents. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's so they, yeah, that's they, quite they do kind of they, they do, do kind, kind of, of review it, it, but if they didn't yeah. pay it that's as not like super this obvious. Is that's not super obvious. It's not, yeah, okay. Yeah. Miriam style trial. Uh, is it Natasha? Maybe I say uh, Tony. I was yeah, thinking Tony. Tony in the I, three, I had Tom Tony Ford. a second. Tony in his three piece suit. Tom, Tom Ford. His Tom Ford suit. Okay. I don't have anything on that one. Okay. Last takes. So. There was no direct Captain America sequel to this movie. This one was the last one in the trilogy. More but there's movies gonna be more. There were more movies with Captain America in them. Yeah, but I'm not even counting. You know the non Chris Evans. You know oh, Captain okay. America four. This is, okay. new, this is gonna Order. be a new. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm I'm not really all that excited about that to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, there were more movies with Captain America in them, obviously, and they were two of the three best Marvel movies made, in my opinion, I which were Infinity War and Endgame. So yeah. good. So yeah. good. I yeah. love those. Yeah. Love those ones. Gentlemen, any final takes? And you want to go ahead and give your final score for the movie? I mean, for me, I, I kind of said at the beginning, I think it's a solid B movie, like eight, like an eight sort of score. There's a lot of things about it that style-wise, shot-wise, that it, it obviously was Marvel finding its groove. But as a story perspective, if uh, and characters that you've grown up with, it's solid. They they treated them exactly the way that they should treat these characters. As as a film, as a popcorn flick, it's a B. As uh, an MCU slash superhero film, it's an A. I give this movie a seven and a half out of ten, and I say that like on every level, taking into consideration all factors, but. Uh, it gets points for the way it handles so many characters and it gets points for being a thought-provoking film because anything that can garner this amount of discussion is at least something worth watching. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Missile? It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say that it was awesome to have Josh and Missile with us today. Can we get a little clap here? Yeah, there you go. I'm clapping for myself. Hey, th- thank you guys for being on this. It was awesome. Yeah, okay. Was fun. Oh, yeah. I, I'd like to say my last take before we. Oh yeah. Stop it. it. No, we don't want to hear it again. He has to say it. He was wrong. I wasn't going to say. I wasn't going to say any of that. I was going to say it's my least favorite of the Captain America movies, and it's not particularly close. But I still think it's an excellent movie. Um, and Cap was right. Oh my god. Well, gosh. thank thank you guys for listening. Andy was wrong. <laughs> I, I, I hope you got something out of the discussion. If anything, maybe maybe it made you reconsider your position. 
uh, maybe it made you more confused or made me you hate the movie now and you'll never watch it the same maybe, again. Maybe you hate us now. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible too. I don't know how long this podcast is going to be once it's edited, but I imagine it's going to be on the longer end of the ones that we've done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Josh, you're going to be on the next one, right? I think. Jojo I mean, Rabbit. If you'll, if you'll invite me. Yeah, of course, of course. Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> that was a good movie. Better than Civil War. We got oh, <laughs> oh, snap. Got great stuff coming your way, guys, so stay tuned. And... Don't be gross. Cut.